Good afternoon. I'm Jordan Peoples, and Marvel sucks. I'm Cade Weiberg, and no, it doesn't. And welcome to the fourth annual Christmas special uh, that we are recording on New Year's Eve because uh, Jordan is a busy lawyer now, and also there were just I, I work at a movie theater and people watch movies on Christmas like Aquaman and Wonka. Yeah, maybe this is um, more of a holiday special. Sure. I guess, yeah, because one of our traditions is, like, somewhat New Year's themed. And Beatles rankings are specifically New Year's themed. So, uh, we are joined today by a guest who attended the uh, Birthday Brewery Crawl episode, um, was one of the members on, and he's been on the 100th episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Nicholas Bradshaw. Hello, hello. The crowd we are excited wild. to have you, Nick. Um, we are excited <laughs> to discuss what if... Uh, Episode three, I believe. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? Yeah. Uh, and Jordan is uh, nodding confidently as if he has watched that. I did. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> but you just watched that episode, I assume. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't watch a second of the rest of it. The animation is interesting <laughs> how they do it. But we'll it we can talk more about that when we get to it. I think you would like uh, the Nebula episode. It's like... Uh, mm -hmm. Nebula 2049. It's just like a Blade mm. Runner parody, kind of. I just played Cyberpunk 2077, so that's very much it? in my wheelhouse right now. Oh, yeah. Dystopian Futures. I didn't get it when the PS4 iteration came out because it was so buggy yeah. and just like a meme of how bad it was. And <laughs> now that uh, the PS5 version is out... I haven't got it just because I remember all the bad press, but it probably works because I have a PS5. No, it, it's pretty great, like, visually. But also, like, when I was first playing it, I'm terrible at controller shooters because I grew up <laughs> playing PC shooters, so I'm used to using a mouse to aim. So sure. I decided to just, like, early on, I just decided I'd use a baseball bat the entire game, and that was great. <laughs> just living in this super tech, like, everyone has, like, mind implants, and you can, like, set people on fire from inside their own head. And meanwhile, got, my guy's just like, I'm just going to hit you with a bat. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just walking straight up to your face and smacking you across the head. And that was great. That, so that's been going well for you. Yeah, no fail. I mean, it's a very reliable technology. <laughs> I guess it's worked for years. Tale as old as time. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, a weapon as old as time. Uh, so, Jordan, how was your Christmas? Uh, good. I drove down to Chattanooga, Tennessee, then up to Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, but even that, even both of those drives together are less than I used to do from Virginia to Georgia. So, less driving. And did you go season. with your 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 wife, or did yeah. you do like a spontaneous like separate vacation for your first uh, Christmas <laughs> together? No, yeah, my wife was with me. What'd you get uh, up to? So, I uh, was working for pretty much all of the holiday, mm -hmm. and then we uh, I just went to my parents' house, and my sister uh, is pregnant, so I got to see oh, her. Wow. She has a uh, baby coming in May. Um. She just found out it's a girl. Oh, nice. So, yes. A tiny niece who I can hopefully persuade to enjoy Marvel content one day. Uh, her husband's a big Star Wars fan, so I kept joking, like, name it Anakin. Name your son Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which he likes, but she obviously does not. Yeah. Um, I once taught a kid named 
Anakin Hamlet, which is just such Whoa. a great tragic name to that have. Is. I love that. Had their parents read the source material? You know what? I know he was an excellent like young poet, honestly, but I never got a chance to talk to his parents about the source of all that. <laughs> That's I'd be afraid to, you know, those parents are usually Yeah. <laughs> a some, little bit of a problem. Some odd people. Um Nick, how was your Christmas? What did you do? It was nice. You know, I always kind of do the same thing for Christmas uh, and front load a lot of the family stuff. And, you know, my my mom uh, has us over either for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, me and my wife. Um, but she always, like, gets concerned, like, oh, did we get you the right thing? But it's honestly just honestly such a gift to have presents to open <laughs> on the yeah. 25th, you know? And so she just, like, gets a bunch of little trinkets throughout the year and wraps them up, and it's just kind of fun to be a kid again like that. Sure. But that's kind that's of the awesome. main event there is just kind of when my mom's on Christmas Eve and waking up and being like, all right, when are we get into presents, <laughs> let's do it. Hey, I I am a big uh, proponent of that. My mother every year, though, does get, like, especially now that my sister's having a baby, uh, and she'll just buy me, like, a video game or a movies or whatever, and she's just like, how long am I going to buy you this stuff? <laughs> And I was, I keep telling her, like, just get me cash. I'm an adult. I can pay for whatever I want. And then she's like, no, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And then Christmas comes around and we have that conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's a full circle. Well, your mom's gift giving is what got you to get Gotham Knights. That's true. I did get Gotham Knights and me and Nick play it uh, semi-regularly. Thank you, Joan. (laughs) Yeah, she's definitely listening to this. Listener of the pod. (laughs) Fan of the Marvel (laughs) podcast. Um... Uh, so any, any good, uh, gifts, Jordan? Any fun presents? I did get you some interesting stuff. You have a banjo stuff. now, but you might have had that before. No, this is an old banjo. I've had this for years. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of dress clothes because when I started my job as a public defender, none? I did not have many. No, the, the <laughs> Wednesday of the first week, I started on a Monday and the Wednesday yeah. I had to go buy a new suit. And so I got some dress shirts and slacks and that kind of stuff. So okay. a very thrilling uh, set of Christmas gifts that the 12-year-old version of me would have been thrilled about. <laughs> Isn't that just, like, but clothes are just not fun presents. Like, it's never, maybe for girls. No, but, but I'm yeah, very much I looking just... forward to having them, so I don't have to keep oh, the yeah. same stuff all the time. But, but you you want them not at Christmas. Yeah. You want them, you know, at a boring time, like a regular Tuesday in January. Sure. That's when you want to be gifted clothes. Yeah. It's like regular clothes, though. My mom got me a really cool, like, Godzilla playing a guitar, for some reason, t-shirt. I was like, this is going to be useful to my life. Yeah. Like, I'll take a Godzilla playing a guitar t-shirt any time of year. That's some powerful iconography. It's really symbolically rich. Yeah, absolutely. And it actually worked well, because we just, or I hosted uh, my rock band tour at a brewery in Harrisonburg. Nick drove out... uh, and it was packed, and Nick was uh, front of the room singing Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult while wearing that T-shirt. It's all about synergy. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, yes. So really uh, becoming a staple in the, in the night, that Godzilla T-shirt. Thematically relevant, as always. Um, have you watched any movies, Jordan? Maybe no. I, I watched uh, Christmas Vacation, National You've Lampoon's. Seen that, I had not, actually. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. Also, I have not watched Die Hard, which I say now because I believe it will be relevant later. (laughs) This was important. (laughs) Viewing. You've never seen Die Hard? I haven't. And it came out multiple times this Christmas specifically. 
Well, I, I mean, I I've just, seen like several 15 minute chunks, you know, like on TNT. I mean, all you need to see is six chunks and that's the movie. You, you've composited <laughs> it in your brain. Yeah. yeah, it's not a long movie. No, but I've never, I've Maybe never watched like the whole thing. Two hours. I feel like I've that's never crazy. seen the setup. Most of the time I'm, I'm seeing a piece of it. He's already in the building doing some climbing or whatever. Well, that, that is the weird thing, like, that the beginning would help. He is actually born in the building. It's oh. like a terminal situation, <laughs> wow. Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah, and he knows, like, he treats it like Home Alone. He's able to fight back. Wow, that's so crazy. I can't wait you to watch know this. that. <laughs> yeah. All you miss in the setup is, like, Chekhov's limo driver, who's going to come back in the third act. <laughs> yes. Oh. Argyle, shout out Argyle. Oh. Is he in any of the other movies? No, he's not. He's but not. they do create weird, like, they, a weird replacement for him in the second one with that one really annoying air traffic controller. I don't. Do you even, remember this? I I dis I the third one rules. Third one is awesome. Diary two, of the Vengeance. two is not very good. In I my forget. Opinion. Me, but it's better than five, which is I agree with the that. worst movie I have seen. Welcome to the Die Hard Ranking Podcast. <laughs> We're here to... <laughs> Honestly, that could be... We're looking for a fourth holiday <laughs> tradition that we need to come up with within an hour, and it could be ranking the Die Hards. And then each year I but could we're watch... Beatles Each albums. year I could watch one of the Die Hards, starting next year. And we year. rank it every year. <laughs> Start Okay, so that can be next year's tradition, possibly? No, we rank them. We just It's like a re-rank, the Die Hard re-rank. But next we year, I will rank Die Hard every, every year? Yeah, but all the Die Hards, and then I'll watch one But you year. haven't seen any this year, so this has to start next year. I know, but that, I, they're, I mean, y'all can rank them. Oh, oh, I see. And, and we then, will. And yeah. I can just put I mean, it, they're all just kind of in a neutral limbo right now, all as good as the rest of them. They're just like your equivalent of Moon Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't watched all of it. Or a Secret Invasion. I suspect um, I will like Die Hard more than Moon Knight. <laughs> well, it depends on which Die Hard. Well, the first. Yeah, because three is actually three rules. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury himself is in it. All right, go ahead and just let's let's just do the Die Hard rank. I it's I, I think it's got to be unanimous. The only thing is some people don't like four, and I think four is pretty good. Where I do go, you put four? I go back and the only thing that's you know dynamic about my list is the top two spots because my bottom three absolutely go four, two, five. You know what I mean? Okay, the that's three, I agree die with hard. That. Yeah. The, Justin Long of it all, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston's yep. in it. You know, like four is fun. You know, yeah. it, no, it gets fun. made fun of for jumping the shark or jumping. And the Kevin car. Smith plays a hacker. Heck like, yeah. Yeah, and he basically plays himself. But it's got that song by Flyleaf that's in the Rock Band One yeah. soundtrack that was very like it is a very 2007 movie or 2006 whenever mm-hmm. it came out. Um, it is specifically that year that I can't remember. What's his name? Is the villain not Josh Duhamel? But he looks exactly. Oh, uh, like Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. Okay. Yeah, and he, he has like he fights like parkour people. It really like the first one is grounded in reality, and then four is he's a superhero, which. You know, I like superheroes. That's how all action movie series go. They all end up... I think that was... Crazy. Yeah. Yes, especially Sylvester Stallone, who is, uh, (laughs) you know, older at this point. If I'm advocating for myself, three is the best. But I think one is probably the best movie. You know, if you had to be objective about it. But three, I would choose to watch over one any day of the week it is the one i've weirdly like i've only seen it like three times and Mm -hmm. i loved it so i got the trilogy for christmas in 20 2007 are they all set on christmas two years later 
Uh, the first one is definitely Christmas. The second one is also Christmas. It's kind of New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. The it's third winter. One the make, third one is in summer. Yes, but it makes a lot of New Year's. It makes a lot of Christmas references. I just rewatched it with my sister. Mm. She had never seen it, and he talks about reindeer and Santa Claus, and it's it kind of has some Christmassy. But it takes place in hot LA summer, yes. so you're just looking at everyone sweating, huh. and you're not thinking Christmas. And then Die Hard Four is like Four Memorial is Fourth of July. Is or, it 4th of July? Oh, well, I just remembered, like, it's a patriotic theme. It is definitely patriotic. It is a holiday movie. I just okay, so, don't know which one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Either 4th of July, one of the one of the American holidays. And then the fifth one has no holiday theme, so that's why it's The bad. fifth one, yeah, no holiday. Jai Courtney is his son, and I remember that was, I watched it in 2013 in the movies. When, you know, when I would watch any movie in the theater and love it, because, you know... I had no no standards, and I remember disliking that movie. Uh, yes, it's just like this is not a sign of <laughs> of good filmmaking if I don't like it, and I just watched Transformers Four. <laughs> All right, so my official ranking is one, four, three, two, five. I haven't watched any of them, but I, I'm just going to throw that out there as a prediction. I feel like I always have one oddball spot. List. All right, I mean when we come back and. Start this annual tradition uh-huh. next year. Five years from now, once I've seen all of them, we'll have to check to back source here. that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna want that to come up. Uh, that's just so weird. Like, what was this "what if" episode for you? Like, if you had never seen Die Hard, I I knew enough about Die Hard to get all the references this was putting down. It also well, you think you got all the references? Yeah. How would you know if you didn't? Because they weren't. Did exactly you get the subtle. reference to the Purple Hulk running around in Die Hard? <laughs> See that I didn't remember, but I thought that might be just a superhero thing. They've layered on top of it in a very clever, See? amusing way. <laughs> if you had seen Die Hard, you'd know better. Um, okay, so uh, we were talking about Christmas. We were talking about movies. You just watched Christmas Vacation. How? What did you think? Good. Good. <laughs> There's not too much to say about <laughs> like it's such a like I feel like it's been a movie that's been imitated. With any yes. other Christmas family hijinks movie. Yes, very true. Um, we just got... It's weird. Uh, the theater has so many movies. Did you watch Godzilla Minus One? No. Okay, but you know about it? No, I have no idea what this is. Oh, boy. Well, let Nick, uh, the citizen... Uh, friend of the show, Alex Rohr, also loves Godzilla Minus One. We were talking about it via text. He could not be on... Uh, Alex Rohr? Alex Rohr, That's yes. great. This is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was on last year's Christmas episode. Um, and so it's only fair that we have uh, Nick here to represent Godzilla on the behest of Alex. Uh, so go ahead. I'll do a little three-minute Godzilla bit. There Godzilla you go. tangent. Yeah, this okay. is also one of the best movies of the year, I will say, and I'm not a Godzilla fan. Genuinely, I think... Not only is it impressive that Godzilla Minus One is my favorite movie of the year, I have recently decided that it is actually better than the original 1954 Godzilla. Like, I sat down this year, I think my first movie of the year was, like, Ebera Horror of the Deep, which is, like, in this big old 15-movie disc set of the original Showa Godzilla movies from, like, 54 to the 70s. And most of them are not good, you know? And it kind of just, like, solidified for me that the only really good Godzilla movies are the ones that try to be about something and kind of stand on their own. So you have, like, original 1954 Godzilla. You have uh, Shin Godzilla, which is the 2016, like, Japanese, which is kind of about 
bureaucracy. Then you have Godzilla 2014. Gareth Edwards does actually try to be about, you know, folly of man. Quote, Jordan, have you seen any of these Godzillas before Nick continues? I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you're. I saw uh, the Brian. You did Cranston live with Alex Godzilla. I haven't seen okay, any so of the Gareth OGs. Edwards, no. Okay, because you lived with Alex for three years, and he is maybe the biggest Godzilla fan I know. And it's also really up my Perhaps alley. Even more so than like Nick, watching an old fair. monster. Like I don't know. I like, uh, you know, old kind of monstery movie stuff. But old I've never actually done it. Movies. Like, most of the charm of the old stuff is actually, like, the artistry of, you know, the rubber suits yes. and stuff like that. And kind of selling that with scale and very tiny tanks that try to make themselves look good. And 1954 Godzilla does a pretty good job, like, splicing that together. I, I don't even know if people did that up to that point where, like, the bottom third of the screen is, like, the cityscape and they superimpose Godzilla over top of it. It looks awesome. But all that to the point, minus one is kind of... the an offender in the way of, like, most Godzilla movies do not actually have Godzilla in them that often. You know, like, I think the Godzilla movie with the most screen time for Godzilla is, like, 25 minutes of a 90-plus minute runtime. Yes. And this movie only has about 15 minutes, and has only about six scenes of Godzilla, and yet it's, like, still, like, the one of the best ways he's ever been presented. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like Godzilla, there's, like, a tremendously human story about survivor's guilt and Maybe like choosing the, to live the elevator pitch like sure. just pitch jordan the premise of the this movie, movie begins in the final days of 1945's uh world war ii you know uh and our main character is a kamikaze pilot who is unsure if he's actually going to go through with his mission uh so he lands on this island that he doesn't really know much about where there's a crew waiting to refuel him and he's kind of considering am i actually going to go kill myself for my country or am i going to live am i guilty about that and before he can really make a decision a dinosaur-esque Godzilla <laughs> appears on the island and absolutely shreds, despite the fact that our main character probably could have shot at him with his plane. So when he wakes up from being knocked out, he finds all the other people on the island dead, and he's kind of has yet more survivor's guilt, and goes home and finds out that his parents are dead in firebombings, and has yet more survivor's guilt. But he finds himself in this odd position of like found family where he is helping this woman who's raising a kid, and the kid's not even her kid. It was like a neighbor's dying wish that she raise it. So it's like this really kind of very emotional story about a guy who isn't sure he should be alive in a position where he is alive and has responsibilities. Uh, and there happens to be a really awesome giant lizard in it, too. Yeah. So, like, why not? You a know metaphor I mean? for the end of the world, yeah. or the nuke, I guess. It happens right after World War II. I'm sold. So... I want yeah, to watch that. Uh, watch it. Everyone should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Um, for sure. It was... And I'm not even a Godzilla fan, and I absolutely loved it. Also, quick pause. I gotta go um, blow my nose. Okay. Go blow your nose. I need to figure out what one Abbey Road song I'm missing. You want, Your favorite... One of your favorites of this year was uh, Past Lives. Is that right? I Yes. Past Lives. Ooh, that's a good one. Maybe we do our favorite movie of the year. That could be a tradition. That's easy, too. That is easy. Um... Yeah, okay. Yeah, we can sit we? on that. Then. Yeah, then we'll yeah. sit on that. No don't, spoilers for past lives. Don't worry, Marvel listeners. I can talk about Godzilla later. while Cade figures out his list. Yes. I mean, so yes, for the people who don't know, uh, we, well, you must know. You're a big fan of the Christmas episode. Uh, we are continuing with our tradition of ranking the Beatles albums. Uh, Jordan's back. We kept talking without you. Okay. Uh, and it was about you behind your back. Oh, no. 
and I'll never know what <laughs> you said. for you in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so this quick, was so also I delivered was... to me during uh, the Godzilla speech. Uh, I'm holding up a... Tell the people... Yeah, I'm holding up a package... audio medium, what you're holding up. It has Cade's address on the return label and my address Ooh. on the two label. <laughs> <laughs> what could it be? Yeah. It's magical. Should I just pop right, into he's, it? He's... He's he's opening. Do you want to open yeah, it? Now? Yeah, yeah. This, this works. Yeah, open it. Yeah, open it. And then I will describe. Uh... Wait, this was delivered to you on a Sunday? On no, New it Year's was probably Eve? in the mailbox. We just didn't check the mail when we got back. Uh, we got back Friday, but we haven't checked the mail till today. You haven't checked the mail in two days. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, he has opened the package. He is reaching into the package. <laughs> he is. Smiling. Nice. Okay. He said nice. I guess I need to describe it. It is a frame that has, one, a picture of me and my wife, but then also a picture of several Marvel scenes in... Uh, and what, of, well, yes. Other. I wrote a, I put a note in there oh. uh, that might hmm. uh, describe... I thought you were just gonna have him name them all. For him, right? <laughs> yeah, this is a puzzle. I sent him. I sent him a challenge for Christmas. Are you putting him in a saw trap right now? Yes. <laughs> we're one of the best Marvel couples, and then on the back it's signed T S, which I assume is Tony Stark. <laughs> it is Tony Stark. <laughs> wow, Christmas from Tony, from Tony Stark. Yes. Um, nice. I'll put yeah, this in so my office. A... That's for, yes, to look at. (laughs) You have a photo of your wife with uh, WandaVision in it as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, slight segue. I was just, while you went to go to the bathroom or whatever, I was telling people we're uh, teasing ahead. We are continuing with the tradition that we're ranking a Beatles album. And this year it's Abbey Road. Uh, So to continue with the tease, I have... Put in 16 of the 17 songs, and I've been going forward and back. And now there's one that I don't know what I'm missing, so I want you to guess what it is so I can figure this out. Guess what song Both of you, you each don't take a have? guess. I haven't written down a song, and keep in mind it's in the middle somewhere, so it's something that is not notably at the bottom or at the top. What song would you consider to be? Because I don't know what it is. Uh, do you have Sun King? Yes, yeah, Sun King is on here. Because? I have because. You never give me your money? Uh, yes. Nick, do you want to take a guess? This is like low stakes bingo. <laughs> is it Polythene Pam? I have that. Mean Mr. Mustard? I have that. I think. Oh, no, I was going to write that, but I didn't. Okay, great. So you that one it. should be higher. All right. Um, there you go. Great. Ah, oh, God, I did this last year, too, where I want, wrote one too late that I meant to write above. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, are we ready to talk about Marvel? Because we have a lot of, uh, you know, Christmas yeah, are traditions we gonna, to Are we going to gonna end on... <clears throat> are we going to do Marvel, then Beatles rank? Yeah, so we always do... We talk about the subject at hand, okay. which has historically been Iron Man 3, the Guardians Christmas special. Is this the... Th- Third? I thought this was the fourth. I think Christmas we did. Special. I think we did Iron Man three twice because I think we were going to watch. It oh every no, year. no, we did. We did Iron Man three. It was just me and Liam. You had your family emergency, yes. so me and Liam recorded in twenty twenty one, and we did Hawkeye. Okay. 
Uh, and then Guardians. Guardians was number three, and this is number four, the What If Christmas Special, which they... So the writer's strike just kind of pushed this out, and they didn't really have a Christmas... I'm sure they would have come up with something, like some Christmas episode of some TV show, but everything, the whole slate just got knocked back. Um, so, yeah, this was an interesting uh, Christmas one to, to start on. Uh, maybe, Nick, would you like to... Uh, just before we dive in, just say your general stance on Marvel throughout the years. Throughout the years? Yes. Okay, that's very cool. Um, Where were you in 2008 <clears throat> when you watched Iron Man 1? I genuinely 1? kind of remember this. Um, right. I don't know if it was this the first time This is my favorite thing to do, and yeah. Jordan hates when I ask everyone <laughs> all these questions. Um, I was in Lynchburg, I think, <laughs> at a theater that no longer exists, and we watched Iron Man, and I don't know if it was my first time seeing it, but I do remember seeing it with my family. The thing that sets it apart for me from a viewing experience is that I had heard beforehand through the internet or whatever, because I was on the internet a lot as like a 13-year-old kid in 2008, you know, mm -hmm. was that there was a post-credit scene. And like, I was the, it was such a prideful moment for me as a 13-year-old being like, wait, mom, <laughs> there's a scene after the movie, and it's going to be important somehow, you know. So I don't think I marked out, but I do think I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it was a lot of fun, especially from like 08 to 2012, to kind of be intensely interested in the MCU. Wait. At the same time, I was kind of... Real quick, you were living in Lynchburg in 2008? Uh, yeah, my, I was like there every weekend and then all summer because my mom lived there. My dad lives in North Carolina. Ah. So yeah, yeah. I was living in Lynchburg in 2008. I was just about the time I moved to Richmond. I... Lived there Whoa. for a couple of years. I went to Liberty Christian Academy, if you're familiar with that oh, cool. at all. Yeah. I know Liberty. I don't know the Christian Academy. It was just like a high school version of the college. And if you went there for four years, you got free tuition to the college. Anyway, not a big it's fan kind of, of that place. Good deal. But go on. Yeah. <laughs> good deal. Not a great place. Is, there this, you go. is this the one where we advertise Liberty University? <laughs> oh, have I ever told you my story about, like, going to my sister's Liberty graduation when no, she graduated from law school. This sounds Liberty like great pod oh. material. Okay. That's where I took the LSAT, so, too. Anyway. <laughs> so I went to my sister's, like, graduation or whatever, um, and, you know, they have, com not commencement speakers, they have speakers for graduation. And they started off, I think, the general people, but then they were like, and now we've got, name I forget, from Duck Dynasty. Oh, <laughs> Duck Dynasty, dude. Big old beard, sunglasses yeah. with his duck whistle thing. Going up to the microphone, he talked. And I was like, oh, what am I doing here? Really <laughs> hot? I don't know if I want to be here. And what then, am I doing here? <laughs> and, you know, this was, I think, right before, right around the time that Hacksaw Ridge came out. Mm, and okay. Liberty University has some connection to that movie. I don't really know what it is. Probably endorses Mel Gibson's beliefs. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and they were like, well, we've got another guest here besides Duck Dynasty guy. Vince Vaughn is here. Oh, and Vince shit. Vince Vaughn came up. And, That's amazing. And I believe Vince Vaughn is in Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, he is. He's you know, and he talked, and I was like, what the heck is going on here? I was like, I am on too little sleep. We drove two hours up here, and it's hot, you know? And then I was like, okay, I'm checking out. But then, like, not only Vince Vaughn, we've got Mel Gibson here. No today. And he way. came up and spoke at the graduation. I'm like, what fever dream am I in right now? You know what I mean? And everyone's just like, I don't know. I cannot believe I have not heard this they're story. They're blowing each now. other up. You met... The, I didn't meet anybody. The, I was like 800 feet away from a That's war. closer to Mel Gibson, the actor in my favorite film of all time, and Vince Vaughn, the actor in one of, your one favorite of my other favorite movies. Yeah, yeah well, definitely one of my favorite comedies. Two of my favorite comedies, because I'd put Swingers up there now. 
And you like Four Christmases, too. I do love Four Christmases. Honestly, I'm a huge Vin head. (laughs) That's what we call ourselves. Well, okay, we got good news. Vince Vaughn. (laughs) Oh, my God. Could you imagine? No. Could you imagine? Um, If that was Jordan's Christmas present to me, (laughs) he got Vince Vaughn on the podcast. (laughs) Um, Like, through Avengers 2012, I was, like, intensely focused on it. And you are, uh, we met and you immediately uh, just stated your your love of dc you're wearing a batman hoodie yeah. right now so you you've been a, a dc fan um and it has not been the easiest era to be a dc fan certainly not you uh know. so describe maybe your reaction to something like guardians of the galaxy coming out and then suicide squad coming out shortly after oh goodness you know it's like i don't know there it's gone through dips and falls and things like that i am kind of here representing the distinguished competition, as Stanley called it, you know, DC. That's how they yes. used to talk about each other back in the day. <clears throat> and it has genuinely kind of been disappointing and frustrating to watch, like, other people's dreams come true. <laughs> and have, like, a mounting universe to the point where I, like, I will go full corporate slave. Disney, please yeah. do something. Help them, you know. Because 2016 was hard for me because it's, like, theatrical Batman v Superman, which is garbage, especially compared to, like, the Ultimate Edition and Suicide Squad, which is genuinely, I think, my least favorite movie of all time. You know, just... Wow. Of all time. Yes. I mean, it's certainly not good. I just can't think of a movie that made me angrier and sadder <laughs> yeah. for bad reasons of like, oh no, you're bad. <laughs> you that know is I mean? a strange movie, and I, I think it is fascinating that this now that it's over, we just watched uh, Aquaman at midnight, me mm-hmm. and Nick, the other night. Um... And, oh, Jordan, you would love it. Uh, This movie ends with the same ending as Iron Man 1, where he just says to a press conference, I am Aquaman. Wow. Just a little copy-paste? Pretty ballsy. I mean, they're like, it worked for them 15 years ago. Let's just end on that note and do the full circle of the good thing. Pretty pretty gutsy. Um, But it's over now, and I think this should, like, 30 years from now, be studied as just some kind of... Like, how, how a studio fumbled the ball so hard on some of the most popular characters of all time. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, looking back at, like, the BVS box office for Batman v Superman, where, like, they made a lot of money. You know, they made more than a billion dollars, but they spent $500 million on it. And it's their two most popular yeah. characters. It should have been bigger than anything else to that point and it's like it's not as bad as like the dark universe where it's like you get the mummy and then you die and then that's it you know but like it is it is um jordan do you remember the dark universe you're you're, uh scanning your brain okay no i I was sitting here thinking that the dc universe was kind of like one of those like the beginning of an infomercial where someone's like carrying a bunch of stuff and they trip and fall it's like that except for they Ah. were holding uh the most well-known superheroes of all time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and still managed to no trip longer. and fall. And then Marvel said, yes, does this they... ever happen to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's hard for me because, like, at my worst, I need to like things. But at my best, I, like, I love to love things. You know what yeah. I mean? I love to see good in, in anything that I'm watching so that my time's not a waste. Even if it's Aquaman 2, which is, like... Yeah arguably very like milk toast nothing but like if you can find something cool out of that why wouldn't you it's certainly not their worst movie i'd put it right in the middle of just it's dumb fun and it knows it's dumb fun yeah um it is weird though they 
they kept Amber Heard in it, and you could tell like they were trying to distance herself, but she was or distance themselves from her, but she was too integral to the plot because mm. Aquaman and her have a baby in it, mm. uh, which you know you need a mother like or to have <laughs> to give birth to the baby um, in that situation. So it was just weird that they simultaneously kept her in the movie and acknowledged her existence but at the same time gave her no lines cut all of her content except when she is simply like Aquaman's Aquaman's baby incubator mm-hmm. well it um, just pretty fascinating I was just also gonna say that I resonated with that like uh talking about like wanting to like the thing and it's like first mm-hmm. you're like okay I'll meet you halfway and then the movies like disappoints you again you're like okay I'll meet you three quarters of the way and it disappoints you again it's like I'll meet yeah. you all the way and then it's like I can't do it anymore this sucks <laughs> just like when you're really trying it's, to give every benefit of the doubt and a movie just refuses. Yeah. Um, Jordan, this podcast was founded on me being a super nerd with that level of passion, um, contemplating even going to see Infinity War with the Naro virus, even though I was very sick. <laughs> that level of passion. Yes. Um, but do you have, do you, I'm thinking now, like when you're saying I'll meet you halfway, you don't really have like that content that, that would come out like, what would your example of Nick's DC universe be? Uh, Where you need so desperately to like I don't somebody. think there's any specific IP, but, like, I don't know. Like, maybe Thor Love and Thunder. That felt like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, where I was really trying. Because I liked Ragnarok. I liked the Thor <coughs> series a lot. Yeah. And it just kept... And that's why I think I cling to, like, those the sequences in it that are good. Yeah. Is because I really was trying to find the you things. Were a big and they kept, like, trying to pull me out of it. Yes, uh, uh, there were a lot of things trying to pull us all out of Thor: Love and Thunder, but yeah. it sure was like the every every time planet. you start to settle in, they're like, "Remember that Jane has cancer, <laughs> and that we're not handling that particularly well." <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, so I guess uh, Nick, your your Marvel arc. Uh, yeah, no, not to make it a whole hour or anything like that. I we do could, think... but yes, Jordan would be happier if we didn't. I do think like I had my first peek at. The first Avengers movie, I remember, like, oddly enough, I was listening to your guys' Iron Man 3 episode, and I kind of remember, like, oh, Iron Man 3 is the first time I remember, like, being disappointed in a Marvel movie in some way. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I think the first five or so play it very straight, very earnestly. Yep. You know what I mean? And they give you a comic book movie. Yeah, pretty much the next, like, four years from, like, 2013 all the way up to Ragnarok was very much like, this is kind of becoming less for me. You know, like, that... I don't think... I can't say to anybody that the first two Thor movies are better than Ragnarok. But I did walk out of Ragnarok being like, they stopped trying to be heavy metal, Asgardian, like, drama. You know? And now they're doing... They're doing something different. And they're being successful with it. And people are liking it. And, like, it's easy to punch up on that sort of thing. But it's... That was the time where it was like, okay, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a step back. But then, you know, Infinity War comes out and Game comes out and it kind of gets me back again. You know what I mean? And you um, watch all the other ones. Well, also, your <laughs> cinematic universe at that point is trying to... Yeah, and it's like... To take off. And thankfully for me, most of my, like, love for DC doesn't really exist in the movies. Like, I'm happy when the movies are good. Yeah. It exists kind of on the page and stuff sure. like that. But uh, it's it was hard to not con- compare and contrast. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it's all happening at the same time. This year, I have a much more relaxed approach to everything where it's like, I'm not going to force myself to watch it. And, I, you know, I haven't watched the last couple Marvel shows. But, like, when something excites me and it's like, I know it's for me and I know I'm going to love it, then I'm in. So, like, 
I kind of gave up on week-to-week television until Ahsoka came out this year and was like, this is exactly for me. Star Wars fan, Rebels fan, love Dave Filoni. I'm like, let's go. I'm watching this every week. And I haven't felt that way about Marvel in a little bit, you know? My last time I got super excited at Marvel was in multiverse of madness yes when we're huge multiverse yeah. madness fans i think we are we re-ranked it in the top five of the mcu <laughs> which probably yeah yeah pissed off a lot of people i'm sure it's like that's like that movie is such a dynamic turn of like we're gonna make one of our main characters a villain you know we've yeah we made wanda the speedball of civil war too many times of like mm-hmm. making her the problem where you have to kind of just go all out and i'm like respect yeah. you know and then you get like the Illuminati scene and talk about incursions. I'm like, this is where I live. I like read the whole John I Hickman Avengers did Omnibus. Watch that four times. In the, I think the second one was with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick audibly turned to me when they just mentioned the Baxter Foundation. And I was like, Kane, and, and you could hear what? you could hear the conviction in his eyes. That's and everybody has something like that. <laughs> I think for Marvel, even Kaylee was in with me watching the Marvels. And then the post credit scene pops up and... Oh, yeah. Blue Blue Frasier. Blue Frasier's there. And Kaylee grabs my arm so hard that one of her, like, nails pops off and goes flying. Because she's like, loves, (laughs) loves Beast, loves Blue Frasier. Blue Frasier. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're a big Frasier podcast as well. Um, Blue Frasier's kind of a cool band name. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. You want to start it? That could be our... Yeah. What what genre? Well, we do need a band. We have... We have a... In our Marvel Sucks versus No It Doesn't Vault, we have a Marvel musical we wrote that we could release <laughs> yeah. under the band name Blue Frasier. Blue um, Frasier. One day we that musical will see the light of day and it will be uh, spectacular. One day. <laughs> one day when uh, me and Jordan both have a week off to just do nothing. <laughs> we'll record it. COVID too? Yeah, essentially. It would have to be. Um uh, okay, should we talk about what if? Yeah. What if we talked it. about what if? What if? What if? Um, so it's a diehard spoof. It is a diehard spoof. This is also um, not Marvel canon technically. Like it's animated, so we don't right. we don't give it a proper episode. Uh, so it, it fits in with the context of the Christmas uh, episode chronology um yeah we're not doing any real like ranking it's we, not going on the board yes we don't need to do our usual rating system but we will talk about it in depth mm-hmm. um this 30 minute episode so jordan you just watched this one yes okay um who watched it the most recently <laughs> i watched it yesterday okay so probably you i watched it when yeah. you texted me about it like have you done all your stuff and i'm like i just watched oh yes. happy hogan saves, happy christmas. Hogan saves yeah. christmas uh i watched it i guess the day day after it came out um but yeah uh jordan why don't you start off start us off break down the events uh, so, of the episode yeah basically they're planning a christmas party at stark tower Happy's kind of in charge of it, and Kat Dennings is there <laughs> as her Marvel character instead as of, kind of an intern. I, that is weird. Yeah. I've noticed in a lot of these "what if" episodes, like they do backstory. For example, in this episode, they're like Jarvis is down for maintenance. They say that so many times because I guess yeah. they're assuming like, oh, why aren't people asking about Jarvis? But at the same time, it's a different universe, so you could just say. Kat Dennings is Iron Man's assistant. Different universe. That's how it's always been. Like, I don't know why they need to go in and add, like, oh, by the way, Jarvis is uh, not in this. Yeah. But, and yeah, then whatever. Then the main uh, thing that goes wrong that, 
you know springs the plot into effect is is his name justin hammer yes something hammer justin okay, yeah. hammer shows up sam rockwell's sam character rockwell from iron himself. man 2 and it is voiced by sam rockwell I yeah it sounded like but, him. but not all the characters were voiced right like tony stark is obviously no they Robert don't Downey they Jr. can't the people they can't afford they don't get and then the people who want to do it um yeah they get it is weird yeah. how it's 50 50 so you'll get like hemsworth and uh, hawkeye hawkeye and, and hulk hemsworth I hawkeye also thought and hulk. <laughs> the big yeah, robert downey jr's yeah. <clears throat> robert downey jr's um impersonator wasn't very good i mean he was okay I, I but think I, like surely you can find someone who does a spot on iron man i don't know because you gotta you have auditions so this person needs to uh, apply for the audition and everyone just does like the video game version of tony stark <laughs> like just mm. it sounds like a voice actor pretending to be the video game like that might actually be the same guy from the Midnight Suns video game. They sound very similar. He kind of sounded like the Maybe dude so. who did the voice in like the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, too. Sure. That one that was coming out right around the time the MCU got started. I mean, Batman has his mm. uh, his go-to voice actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so why wouldn't RDJ Animated have his go-to voice actor? I do think Lake Bell did a great job as uh, Black, Black Widow. Widow. Yeah. Like That's a pretty seamless one. Because she's Poison Ivy in the Harley Quinniverse. Yes, right? she is. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but anyway, so Hammer shows up, he takes over Stark Tower and the technology using some sort of computer hacking and stuff. Jordan, did you feel any animosity toward uh, Justin Hammer because he's part of one of your least favorite MCU films? Well, I mean, he's certainly not the problem with it. Like, his role in it is fine. Uh-huh. That, that movie, I feel like, is, is bad, not because of really any of the components, but just somehow it didn't all come together as a whole like it like it's just a poorly told story more than it is bad elements sure uh there are yeah there's some there's some problems with it but i have learned to like it more than since we started this podcast yeah well i mean i was defending and obviously also sam rockwell's always great i will say it does miss something having him animated like they tried to do this one sequence where he was kind of dancing around yeah that i I, if i imagine actual sam rockwell doing it would have been great but animated sam rockwell is just okay i literally wrote that down to say like the animated justin hammer does not do the rockwell dancing justice for sure yeah um Um, anyway proceed how much do you want to talk about it like any of these bits before i continue the plot um i that's a good uh nick do you have anything to add i think it's kind of the least what if the episode you know where it kind of is like we want to do a christmas story it's not like what if one thing changed like um the what if peter quill attacked or smitey's heroes episode where it's like mm-hmm. what if ego actually did get his hands on star lord and like how'd that go and it's like i like that but you know but as to what you're saying specifically i do really respect that they got any amount of actors back for it you know like that's kind of what makes me team corporate slave almost to be like yeah if you can keep getting all the actors in the project returning to it at this level at this pay grade that's pretty impressive like i kind of think about something i watched last year the star trek animated series from like the late 60s they did get all of the original cast back from like Star Trek, the original series. Those contracts must have been ridiculous to have them appear in every capacity. Yeah. They wouldn't have had time to do anything else. It's also like, what else better were they doing? (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, at this level to get, you know, Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, 
uh, Jeremy Renner, Kat Dennings. Well, like I don't. I think Kat Dennings is Kat happy Dennings to come is back. happy to get the paycheck. <laughs> but it's like I do appreciate the the uniformity of that. You know, so like yeah. that's a point in Marvel's def- in not even this defense. I just think it's really easy to punch up to Marvel because they're doing so well. But I think it's nice yes. to point out the things that they do that other companies can't because of their level of success and money and having any amount of the original 50% of the original Avengers back is is a good point for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is... I mean, I'm glad that you think you're punching up now because this year was not uh, the greatest to Marvel. Um, but we're going to bounce back. We always do. We always come back. Um, oh, speaking of which, Jordan, I, don't, I guess we haven't talked, but uh, it seems like Jonathan Majors is out as Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. some pretty spicy news that happened uh, in between our last episode and most recent being this episode. Uh, yes. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty wild. What do you think they should do, Jordan? I mean, I think the easiest thing to do is just recast. But Yeah, they've changed the name of Avengers Kang Dynasty to Just Avengers 5. Or Just Avengers 5. Yeah, it's, they're on. Yeah. Uh, so, they could... I don't know. It's weird, though, because they've also showed a, be- a bunch of variations of Kang, and they've all looked like Jonathan Majors. That... But at the same time, you also have Loki variations where they can look like anything. Yeah. So, it... I think you can probably just do a line kind of like they did when they recast... Um you know war machine where it's just yeah. like i'm what here, was that thing he said when he, yeah i'm here it's yeah. me get used to it yeah so you can just Great do line. something like that and we can all just be like yeah it's movies it's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah he did i mean they did kind of weirdly wrap up his arc pretty well if you were to not continue with him um yeah well yeah i guess because loki that's true just ends with him uh, they become in charge of the TVA, and his variants are all like running around. It's implied, but they—they could. That's just true. Be it, you could have just—you could use this to say like uh, something else was unleashed in that chaos. Yeah, he was defeated here, but you've still unlocked another kraken. Yeah, of you know, of multiversal villain. I just like—I really love the the Kang Dynasty Kang Dynasty comic arc. So I would love to see it on the big screen. Um, I don't know who you replace him with, but I hope, I wish them the best of luck doing so. Um, he did. He does have, maybe because he's an in real life villain, but he did have <laughs> you know like an interesting manic intensity to him. Yes. That I think will be missed with anyone else tries to do that character. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's someone else who can do it, but will they find him and cast him in the role? Yeah, I don't know. Same with Tony Stark's voice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Okay, you can. Or you need the right level of smarminess. Yes, <laughs> but not not so much that you don't like him. Yes, correct. Um, all right, you can continue with the plot of what if now. Okay, so then uh, the real reason Hammer is there is to get basically a super serum that turns someone into a Hulk, and then in the you know machinations of the plot, it ends up getting into Happy Hogan instead, and he becomes a a purple kind of grotesque looking hulk monster yes in the style of an abomination rather than a um handsome looking hulk i would like to pitch my theories now because i noticed previously what if episodes like when season one came out in 2021 or two i'm not sure i think it was was 21 um it was summer 21 um they teased um Captain Carter, they teased like Sinister Doctor Strange, 
um, and a whole bunch of other stuff, like, because they knew it was going to be in the movies, they knew, like, Multiverse of Madness was going to happen, so they're just testing the waters, like, mm-hmm. is this character popular or whatever, <laughs> and then maybe there were some characters that weren't popular that they didn't incorporate, um, but I think, I know they're talking about bringing Sam Rockwell back for the Armor Wars movie, mm-hmm. so they're trying to just be like, hey, this guy still exists, remember him? You haven't seen him in mm-hmm. 15 years, but he's around, uh, and also... Captain America before, now it's going through a whole bunch of reshoots, but Captain America 4 um, was going to be like just this huge Hulk movie um, where Mark Ruffalo is in it, the villain from Incredible Hulk, uh, Tim Blake Nelson is in it. The leader. Mm. The leader, yes, um, with his weird deformity. So (laughs) I could see like a purple Hulk coming out. And I know Harrison Ford, Mm -hmm. uh, who plays Thunderbolt Ross, um, which is... That's going to be fascinating. Yeah, for sure. Did you say Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford was recast as William Hurt, who is dead. Oh. So now, uh, your favorite character, T-Bolt Ross. um, (laughs) Rolk himself. Yes, from The Incredible Hulk, uh, as well as Civil War, your favorite. Hmm. Um, He will be played by Harrison Ford. Wild. Yes. Um, I did not hear that. In an interview with Anthony Mackie, this was before reshoots. I don't know what state the movie's in. I know they pushed it back like an entire year, basically. So now it's February 2025. Um, but uh, Anthony Mackie was talking to him just about like the scene they were shooting. It's like, you know, like you're you're the Red Hulk in this. And Harrison Ford's like, what the hell is a Red Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> and then they talked about it more. And at the end of the conversation, Harrison Ford just shrugged and said, all right, let's shoot this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, old curmudgeon actor um, syndrome. But yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be good. Maybe, maybe he'll mm-hmm. be a fine Thaddeus Ross. Um, I, anyway. I'm sure it'll be... He'll be acting on a green screen confused. And then <laughs> they'll just whip it in post and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, okay, you can continue with the plot. Uh, so then there's some you know, general action-y stuff. And then they call in the actual adventures. I feel like I'm yada yada yadding over some well, parts. But the I mean, Avengers show climbs, up and they attack him. Did you get him climbing through the, the grates? The yeah, I guess vents, that was happening before ducks. he got turned into the Purple Hulk. But then I guess it happens a little after, too. Or at least he falls He's out of the window He's slowly after. turning into know. the Hulk. Yeah. Piece by piece. They also have, like, the Iron Legion. So this is, like, Age of Ultron-era Avengers Tower just hanging mm-hmm. out. And Kat Dennings is there for whatever reason. Yeah, but then the Avengers show up. They all fight, you know everything resolves except for he's like am i going to be stuck like this or what and tony stark doesn't really answer so yes in that universe maybe we have happy hulk the entire yeah. time or hulk so, hogan general as they, hogan, as they do call him yes <clears throat> from y'all how'd uh, you feel about it nick has a whole list of notes yeah i decided so. to like you know do homework on this one Go but for it. most of what i wrote down was stuff like how happy i was to have all the actors back and tried to, like, track some of the references, like, Justin Hammer makes a Short Circuit reference when he calls him, like, Johnny Five or something like that. I've never seen Short Circuit. I haven't either. But I just sort of tracked that down. I really appreciated it as a diehard kind of pastiche homage thing, because most of it is pretty, like, 
I don't know. They know that they're doing it, you know? Like, she, he mm-hmm. calls her, like, Darcy McLean, like, John McLean. She name drops Reginald Vell Johnson, who plays, yep. like, Sergeant Al Powell, you know, out, yeah. out of the street. Um, my favorite little reference was not actually the, the vent thing, which was fun, mm-hmm. but did you guys catch the music when Darcy unlocks the vault at the bottom of Stark Tower? No. Now, like, so, like, because she activates it and the doors come up and all that stuff and it starts playing Ode to Joy. Oh, yes. Yeah, That's the, the same Christmas thing song. that happens in Die Hard when the hacker dude on the bottom floor, he's opening the doors the whole movie. Okay. But the doors open up and it plays Ode to Joy and nice. it's really sweeping. I'm like, oh, that's such a good little... Yeah. That's a good pull gotcha. as opposed to just putting Happy in the vent one time. I never noticed know. that. But yeah. it it is a, you know... I think it's a fun episode. I think it's a nice little Christmas episode. I like the Watcher's characterization in it of like, yeah. sometimes I like to just enjoy Christmas. <laughs> sometimes I'm a Watcher. <laughs> sometimes I don't have to fight Infinity yeah. Ultron and I can just have fun. Oh, Jeffrey Wright is so great. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite one of like the four I've watched so far, but it is good. And as a Die Hard homage, it's really good. Yes. Very fun Christmas Die Hard. Uh, I also, back to Die Hard, the movie itself, I saw someone on... Twitter a while ago. Like, I had seen the movie 20 times at this point, and I never noticed, but at the very end, when his wife... Spoilers, Jordan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his wife is, like, about to fall from the building or whatever, mm-hmm. and she has the watch that the new boyfriend gave her. Yeah. And by saving her, like, he grabs her wrist and rips the watch off in mm-hmm. order to save, which is such, like, a manly flex. That's kind of cool. To know? just be like... Baby, you still love me. You don't need this trash in your life. I don't think she was dating that cokehead dude who, like... Why would she wear the watch, then? I don't know. <laughs> Jordan, you know. if a nice girl bought you a watch, would you wear it? Certainly. But if, if Ellie ripped it off my wrist while saving my life, I would also consider that to be a great symbolic gesture. <laughs> <laughs> but before she rips it off, uh, uh-huh. the question is, would you wear a watch from someone you don't like? Probably not. That's what I'm saying. All right. Unless um, she's just trying to make him jealous, like intentionally. But it is weird. I, know, I that guess they, if it's a really nice watch. I might. I might not is, care um, who gave it to me. Chekhov's watch, like they point That's out fair. at the beginning, yeah. like by the way, he gave me this Rolex or whatever it is, <laughs> and then they do show there are several shots with the watch in them, and then at the end he just rips off the watch. Total flex. Power move. Mm, Great absolutely. movie. Really good movie. You should watch it, Jordan. So, okay, Kate, what are your thoughts through. on the episode? I liked it. Um, I watched the first five. I'm about halfway through episode five. Um, so Nebula 2049 is really great. That's the first one. And it's just Blade Runner 2049 with Guardians characters. And the what-if situation is they're all on Xandar. Um, the Guardians didn't meet. Ronin, the villain in Guardians 1, defeats Thanos and betrays him. So he's like the supreme power... Uh, and Xandar blocks itself off from the rest of the galaxy. So it's just in this isolated dome, basically. Um, Mm. And Nebula becomes uh, a private investigator in Blade Runner years. Um, So yeah, it's just a Blade Runner 2049 parody. Uh, And then it's weird that there are two movie parodies. Does that mean there are more? I don't know. I have to watch more. Because the other two... What What was the second one? What if... Peter Quill attacked. Or oh yeah, was, where it's like basically who would the that's basically who would the Avengers be in the eighties? You know, so it's like Bill yeah. Foster, yes. and uh, yeah. and King T'Chaka as Black yep. Panther. It's like that's cool. 
Um, and then the other one I watched was what if Iron Man Tony got Stark to... Uh, oh yeah, Tony Stark at the end of Avengers 1, instead of getting sucked back to Earth, he's still in space where he dropped off the nuke and he ends up on the... Uh, Grandmaster's, Grandmaster's planet. planet with Jeff Bridges and he goes through the whole Ragnarok tri- tri- uh, treatment. Except instead That's of cool. except instead of fighting, they race, and it's a whole like Mario Kart episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, less cool. It's more like pod racing. Okay, <laughs> no, yeah, no. it's a, it's up to interpretation. It's racing. Yeah, Jordan is the number one pod race pod race <laughs> fan on the podcast. Try saying that ten times fast. <laughs> podcast pod pod race pod race podcast. Yeah. Well, that. my thoughts on this episode, just to close out this segment. Is I thought it was good and it's fun in a light Christmassy way. Yeah, I thought some of the jokes were a little bit uh, weak. They'd land better like, if you'd like, seen Die Hard. Well, that's the thing is they they just felt like gestures toward like, hey, here's a thing you're familiar with. It's like, yeah, I am familiar with that. Less of a joke, but they're said as if they're a punchline. But I mean, that's kind of par for the course for this kind of thing. True. So. I don't know. I felt it was solid, but not exceptional. Solid, but not exceptional. I think they they do pay some lip service to other Christmas movies, too, in a very mm-hmm. reference-heavy way. Like, I don't know, I didn't go back and check, but the save at the end, where they save Hammer, kind of feels like the Grinch somehow, where it's like, mm-hmm. I tried to ruin Christmas, and you're saving me anyway? Yeah. It's like the season of yeah. But, like, I don't know. I did laugh at the Christmas story gag, where Sam Rockwell claims the story of the Christmas story for himself. Where it's like I, I wanted, I yeah, got a Red yeah. Rider BB gun, oh, and I oh, shot yeah, my yeah. ass. Yes, that's right. And I was like, there was something it... else in there that I laughed at too. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't. It was another gag, but it caught me off guard. It was like a genuinely funny moment. But a lot of the stuff was just like, this is a reference, right? Yeah, which, and I found myself kind of easy, but like thinking about it more than maybe they wanted me to. Because like when they're doing the Christmas story thing, it's like, is this a super dense reference to the fact that the Christmas story kid is in Iron Man one? Like, come on, you know, like, I don't know. But it's like, that's me putting my brain on something that really does not have that much substance to it. He's also in Spider-Man far from home. Is he? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Which Jordan famously on the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, there was dead air for like 10 minutes of just Jordan Googling who this kid was. And I had to talk. I was doing the entire plot of the movie by myself while Jordan was looking up who this guy is. And I don't remember why it was so hard. I mean, I guess that was like the day the movie came out. So maybe I, it, it was the day the movie came out. Obviously. Yeah. We watch him day one. It's a Marvel podcast. You gotta watch him day one. Mm-hmm. I um, recently watched uh, Adventure Time. Not hey. the whole series, but most of Adventure Time. Uh, oh. And I was pulling out... I love recognizing a voice mm-hmm. and being like, I know who that is. Yeah. Especially some like weird, obscure ones. And Adventure Time's great for it just because it's I, like the people who made that show are just fans of similar comedians that I'm fans of that pop up on podcasts like yeah. you know, Comedy Bang Bang or something. Sure. So yes. it was it was all the time where I was just like, wait, I know this voice. What is that from? And then like, having to like dig through. Yeah, it's like why is Jason Manzukis in Adventure Time? But he's got to be in yes. there somewhere, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I love Adventure Time. It was so weird. Uh, my wife and I had just finished watching all of Steven Universe, and the voice of Steven's dad is Jake's uh, brother on Adventure Time. Hmm. So like, Kaylee heard it from the other room. He's like, "Are you watching Steven Universe again?" I was like, "No." Apparently, voice actors just get around, you know. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is kind of a. Uh, 
There's a group of people who do them more often, and yeah. you'll hear them pop up. Is it Beatles time? You are so eager for Beatles time. We have a tradition <laughs> that we hold into place. Uh, so we always do this. We always end the episode on willing into existence a million dollars. No, a billion. How much is it? We, this is important. Million. It's ten million. It's, it's whatever Jim like Carrey did. It's a two-digit millions. It's not like a hundred million. It's We're not greedy. Yeah, no, just enough to live on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Just enough to get by to finance our podcast career. <laughs> um, so, will into existence ten million dollars. See, this is the problem though. If that's the wrong increment of money, it's never going to come true because we need to do it every year, the same amount of money. I think it was ten million. Okay. You re- listened to this presumably more recently than both of us. Yeah. If you made it that far into the episode. No, I went on two times speed. Like... <laughs> There's well, a lot of material. To. Yeah, I had the to catch up. We talk. Yeah, we <laughs> talk slow. I was getting a lot of information really fast. Yeah. You know, so I think 10 million sounds right. If only there was some way we could check this. I, I know, but know. it's on episode. That would be really meta if we start playing the ending of last year's episode <laughs> on this one. We're on a really tangenty uh, transitional space right now. Yeah. So I, I listened to a podcast. Great. Uh, on my drive home from my sister's house that was okay. six hours long. Whoa. Yeah. It was the like Game of the Year episode of a video game podcast that I like called Into the Aether. You know the um, comedy band. But that's definitely, you got to do two times speed. Yeah, if someone's sure. putting out a six hour podcast. You could watch Endgame twice in that amount of time, yeah. you know? I just some like people to do. savor it. <laughs> I just, um, the Comedy Bang Bang podcast released a 10-hour episode oh. on their 10th anniversary. Oh, did they? Yeah. I told did you I about know? it. This was five years okay, ago at this okay. point. Okay. I, I was thinking, when you said that, I was like, they always always do the best of. Oh, every yeah. Year. So the best That's ofs are out now, and the Christmas episode is out now. All fantastic. Yeah, I love the best stuff. That's really the only comedy bang bang I listen to each year. See, I and listen then from that. Weekly. I go back and listen to the my favorite episodes that they highlighted. Yeah, that's probably smart because I listen weekly, and there's definitely some filler Plunker. every so often. But I mean, that's kind of what's so great about comedy bang bang is that they take like there's so much unknown randomness that when it does click, yes, it, it feels like magic. There, like, I can't yeah. believe they're pulling this off with no plan. A hundred percent. All right. Since we are doing this tangent thing, I'm. I think it'd be really funny for me to just play a random clip of the first Christmas episode. All right. All right. right. We Uh, are. All right. I'm gonna skip to the head of the end. Means that there was no Easter Bunny. Did she spoil that one too? This is giving people aneurysms right now. Yeah. Skip ahead two minutes. (laughs) All right. That's kind of his own glasses. I think that's going to be very therapeutic. That's what I can only imagine. That's why Jordan bought them for you. Oh yeah, you bought me those glasses. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, well, I think that's gonna do it for us here at Marvel Sucks versus No It Doesn't at the annual Iron Man Three Christmas special. Oh, we didn't uh, stick to that. Thanks so much for being our pioneer guest on this tradition. Thanks for having me. Um, we hope to have you back for a later episode, uh, perhaps. Uh, we never did find out what you're looking forward to the most. Whatever, uh, <laughs> this is important. So maybe we can have you back on whatever project that may be. Sure. I do I'll think we're close to, to when... catch up on actually what's coming out. In a... Unless we've already rolled it. No, we're already... We have 30 seconds of this episode left. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, uh, why don't we go ahead and will this uh, $10 million? Yeah, and it's $10 million. Million. Hey! That was so worth it.
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ten million. But that means we end the episode with it because that's what we. Yeah, did there. no, exactly. So the new tradition is whatever new tradition that we are about to come up with right now on the spot. No, we already did it. It's Die Hard. No, but we no, we got to do it in sequence. And also, that's a strange. So we're ranking Die Hard, and my ranking stayed this. Oh, I guess we asked the guests. Okay, all right. I mean, you. We just did it in the bad order. I would have liked to do it now. <laughs> Well, we can still do it now. All right, let's do it now. All right. Okay. So, are you you are committing to watching a Die Hard movie every year now, and you'll just watch one, or you're yeah. gonna watch five over the course of a year and then do a ranking next year? I mean, I don't see why I couldn't do that, but let's just commit to the one. And if I happen <laughs> to have seen all of them by the time next year comes around, we'll do that. Well, you're really setting yourself up for like a really morbid like 2029 when you have to you have to watch a good, good day, day to, to die, die hard. hard. And you know that's yeah. the worst one and it's just not going to be fun at all. But you have a letterbox so you'll be able to write some witty things about it. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> now I got to follow Jordan on Letterboxd. Yeah, Marvel sucks. Oh, no, there. <laughs> um, Talk amongst yourselves. You can also uh follow Nick Bradshaw at well, he's about to get a notification from me, so oh, okay. he can just follow. No, me I'm t- I'm telling the people listening oh, to this podcast, cool. not just Jordan. <laughs> Jordan only uses Letterboxd when I make him, which that's is pretty most much... of the time that I remember. Yeah, <laughs> so I haven't watched many movies recently, so I haven't had the opportunity to. Uh, well, you watch Christmas Vacation? Did you log that? I didn't. You should log it. People will want to know your opinion. You know they're going to do like a letterbox wrapped. Kaylee you told, told me that. that. I'm so excited. Yes. Yeah, I'm very and excited. And now we're telling the people. Now people are <laughs> aware. We are just in Tangent City right now, but have you heard of that Fortnite Bart bought Harmonix and there's yes. now a Fortnite mode that is Rock Band? Yes, I did hear about that. I'm and I'm curious about the new controllers. That's probably see... the big thing that I'm interested in. Yeah. Did you see the video I sent you of it last night on PlayStation? No, I didn't want. I, I I just noticed. I this got a notification. Yet it. a fourth tangent or whatever. A fourth tangent. <laughs> but like I, here's me playing it. Oh, this is okay for this visual medium with my Batman skin. But that's just how it works. Nick is playing. What is the song? Bad Romance. Because that's what one of the free songs. Oh, so it's like. Free, but you're playing the vocals. Yeah. I'm expert. And look at me. I'm over there. I'm Batman. I'm you are Batman. That this is an interesting partnership. When I'm playing with Ezio from uh, Assassin's Creed 2. How did they get away with all this copyright? Oh my god! Licensing. I, I almost wanted to download the game just to show you the crazy shit that they put on their menu recently. But anyway, <laughs> it is fun. It is not the same as it is not the same guitar. as it, it. Yeah, but you're playing with a controller. Yeah, because I think they're but making they, guitar controllers. Yes. Well, what I heard point. is that they're planning to also let you use your old controllers, which in I this have mode. many of. <laughs> yes. Um, Maybe all the ten-year-olds will love it, and Rock Band will come back. Rock Band Five. I need. I need that to happen. I'm <laughs> waiting for a resurgence. Then my book sales go through the roof, and then we also have just way more Rock Band parties. We don't have to wish for the ten million dollars because you'll have enough. That's but that's what this podcast is about. We wished <laughs> into existence ten million dollars, and this is how it happens. Yeah. It's a well, Christmas I do... miracle. <laughs> I do Every year. think that Rock Band actually works really well as a like a, a, a time piece. glommed on piece of content to another thing. It's like you're um, already here oh, sure. and you want to jump into another activity. You already have your friends together. I think that's a really good way to get people to Rock Band. I that's fair. I thought you were going to say like, the lobby. nostalgic. Yeah, no, they're already there at the party, but 
my thought process is this is the best thing ever. Why isn't everyone just doing this all the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exclusively. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, this, uh, number six tangent coming in hot, uh, at this, uh, brewery <laughs> maybe this on is Friday the, night. Maybe this is the new tradition. The new tradition is, is they, we, we do have six to, random to, tangents. And then we have to walk yeah. backwards. Actually, I kind of like that more than the diehard thing. I think we agree on doing, let's do ten tangents. Let's agree on doing ten <laughs> okay. tangents every year. So this is number six, I think. Okay. Uh, we have to find a tangent. Off so of this so tangent. yeah. So like, yes, I'll exactly. keep track of the tangent. So one of you got to take it from me as soon as the ball's done rolling. You got to go. Uh, uh-huh. All right. So I uh, we we did rock band Friday night, um, and we uh, were it clo- the brewery closed at eleven, um, but we it was so busy and everyone kept playing and buying beer. So the guys like I'll keep it open, and it's one a.m. at this point. Uh, so we stay for two hours and then there are still people recommending songs and someone yells free bird and at 1am to hear free bird, you got to give them what they want. You can't not play that song. It also of teaches course. people the danger of shouting free bird because maybe oh, you're going to get yeah, free no, bird. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, cause, uh, when Nick started playing rock band, he, he, uh, one of his go-to songs was American pie, similar to uh, <laughs> Jordan, also an American pie fanatic. A man of taste. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one of the great American songs. I was about to say, did you know Don McLean's wife is like uh, this is seven. 40 years yeah. younger than him? This is tangent number seven, by the way. I did not know that. Google a picture of Don McLean and his wife. It is truly fascinating. It's like the third time you brought this up, too. I know, but it is just a shocking no, marriage. To you gotta look up a picture. Everyone at home. She's like an Instagram. Yeah, she's like an Instagram influencer. Let's see. Yeah, that's tough. Did you know... <laughs> That purportedly the song "Killing Me Softly" with his song was written about watching Don McLean sing Vincent at like some no. nightclub. Whoa! I he was he was the one killing her softly with his song. Killing who? His wife? No, the writer of the song because the, oh, the, that song is so- about someone going to listen to someone and feeling so connected to the work that they're almost embarrassed to hear those. Yeah, Does that count as tangent number eight? Or is that... I've been counting it. But that was yeah. still kind of Don McLean, which I did was... bring up. I brought up <laughs> the wife, and away. we're still kind of talking about Don McLean. We can go back to previous tangents, but new tangents get counted. But I don't think that's a new tangent, is what I'm saying. I think okay. I brought up I brought it to Don McLean. This is why we need to, uh, you know, give ultimate authority to whomever the tangent counter is, because we can't be wasting time. On I know. It's like, this is almost a, this is almost, this is almost tangent, another tangent. Right just talking on... about the amount of tangents. <laughs> almost. Oh, it wasn't Vincent. It was a song called empty chairs. I was looking up to verify my anecdote. Okay. So, so it was I just, that. that was all just a bunch of bullshit. No, I mean, yeah, it was we're true. The, the Clean part. <laughs> we're going back to yeah, we're subtracting a <laughs> Leave it on the board. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, number eight. All right, um, Jordan, what, what does um, hot young wife make you think of <laughs> in regards to tangents? <laughs> this isn't how you do a natural tangent. I know. All right, so let's just talk about their marriage. What do you think their marriage is like? Don McLean and his wife. You think it's great? Oh, okay. So I, when I Googled this picture, I'm actually seeing a former wife who is then divorced, and now I see the younger wife. No, you want who the really younger really is one. just an Instagram... Yes, Instagram influencer with Don McLean. If this was the world's greatest American podcast, <laughs> you want the younger wife would be the. Don <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so true. Um, why, don't, why doesn't 
uh, why isn't the Saga Begins on Rock Band? That's that's also oh, the weird but it's shorter owl? and more fun. That anyway, back to tangent number seven. Freebird is longer than American Pie, and you don't think it is. Like it's is nine it eleven minutes? minutes? It's, oh, nine it's nine minutes, minutes. forty four okay. seconds. But American Pie is nine oh four, a tight nine minutes. <laughs> so so concise. Okay, what was the first Weird Al song you ever heard? Going back to Saga Begins, which connected to Don McLean. Yes, Weird Al. Okay, tangent number nine. Weird Al song I ever heard. Um, White and Nerdy. I was at a middle school dance, um, and I remember distinctly feeling like, this song sounds inappropriate for Catholic school, and I don't know why it is being played. (laughs) Even though I wasn't, I guess I wasn't really listening to the lyrics. Um, Nick, what's your first Weird Al experience? I don't know. It must be Saga Begins. Like, my dad... I think that's mine, would, like, yeah. ...play it and sing it. You know, that sort of Interesting. Thing. And, like, it had no bearing on the fact that they like Don McLean or anything like that. Yeah. I think it was just, like... I don't know. I was four when Phantom Menace came out, so, like... my And my sisters are three and a half years and then another three and a half years on top of it. So we're, like, prime Star Wars age when the prequels are coming out. So any Star Wars content, including Weird Al doing a parody of American Pie is going to get to our house, for sure. Yeah. That's my first Weird Al experience. Okay. Jordan, what about you? No, mine's also... I, I got the album Running With Scissors. I think I just... I had a friend who liked Weird Al. I don't remember what songs he showed me, but I asked for Running With Scissors, which is the one that starts with A Saga Begins. Or is the Saga Begins. Yoda on that album? Maybe. I do remember hearing Lola. that one. That would be weird to have yeah. two Star Wars parodies. Then you become the Star Wars guy. And nobody yeah. wants that. You want to be the weird yeah. guy. Speaking of Star Wars, uh, John Boyega, uh-huh. people like fan casts are like, make him Kang the Conqueror? What do we think about that? He said I think he that's... wasn't interested. I know. But I don't I think, think he's manic enough. No, I think that's a weird fan cast. I don't know. I, I, and if he seems... tried to do Jonathan Major's thing, I think it would come off forced and bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I'm just weird. It's weird that that was the fan cast just because these Star Wars tr- tr- uh, sequels, just the internet. I mean, you know, crazy place, the internet. But it really didn't seem like there was a lot of passion for him to return ever. All the hatred for the sequels, I think, comes from the management of them, not the cast. I feel like people like the cast of the sequels. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I just remember when the first one came out and they were like, why is there a woman is the main character? <laughs> like, there was just all the, the Twitter incels sure. or whatever. Like, not my Star Wars. I think that was 10. You made... Uh, oh, are we... Oh, I, I had another one in the tank. Oh, let's, well, let's do 11. Let's make it stop. a nice Christmas 11. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you ever played Jedi Survivors. Oh, yeah. It's great. I have not played the okay. newest one. I, played... I haven't played the new one, but I platinumed the old one. So, Fallen Order? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fallen Order. Okay. Because I, I was you... kind of looking at getting Jedi Survivors because I heard good things about it. It is a lot of lightsaber sword play, and that's arguably not my favorite part like really what i like to do the force unleashed video game was my favorite era if you ever played that yep. nick is nodding aggressively mm-hmm. yeah no well the, yes the first one specifically was just so great because the first level you're playing is darth vader and you get to kill all those wookies yeah and um, if you get to the certain point with star killer you get to start punting ewoks yes you know what i mean like who doesn't want to force do unleashed was because you're i you're a sith right like mm-hmm. you're Darth, Darth Vader's, Vader's secret, Sith, secret apprentice. Sith apprentice. So you get a lot of Darth Vader lore, which is very fascinating. Um, the gameplay is just fun, because you're just using the Force to like pick up people and yeah. throw them, and then you have like lightning, you have 
your your sword or your saber and everything. It's more the this is more the Dark Souls of Star Wars. Games. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. That not, is a great not as comparison because not uh, as let's difficult. Not get into that. <laughs> but I did uh, set my difficulty at the highest for some reason. I had to lower it later in the game. Well, it was just infuriating. Good um, flex. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with. Uh, just the sword, the combat play. Like, because you, you come across these people who are really expert swordsmen so often. And I'm just like, I'm, I just want to throw Wookiees with the Force. Like, and these weird space bugs. As far as Star Wars Universe goes, like, it's a very fun addition to it. And I will be buying the next one at some point. Those were that. And Hogwarts Legacy and Spider Man 2 are like these three, like, AAA games that. I told myself I was going to, like, buy at the end of the year, but I'll yeah. get to them eventually. You know, there's a lot of big games. Now, Spider-Man 2, now, there's a game. You played that one, yeah. Jordan? Uh, I played Miles Morales, and then that's good. I played that recently enough that I'm not in the mood to go back to Spider-Man yet, but when I yeah, do... Yeah, but this one you can play as Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Well, that's the other thing, is I didn't play the original Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Uh, like, not the original, but, like, you know, the non-Miles yeah, Morales. 2018. But you yeah. get to play as both, and you can change back and forth. Yeah. And Spider-Man in this one, spoilers, has Venom powers, because Venom oh. is in it. I have He's a lot of backlog already, it. though. We'll see how video games Did you uh, Did you get that platinum trophy for Ratchet & Clank? No. I I, I don't pay... T- well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I didn't, because I don't That's do an any... Platinum. That's I don't like do any collecting kind of rate. stuff. If a game has, like, you just need to make sure you collected these things on all the levels... No shot mm-hmm. I'm doing that. Okay. So, Unless it I, happens, like, accidentally. Yeah. It's not... No, it's a very easy Platinum. I think the hardest one... You just, like, buy all the weapons. And, like, you have to win all the Gladiator Arena stuff. Like, it's a I very, did that. Yeah, I, th- um, I think you're closer I don't think I upgraded think. all the weapons. But... You didn't upgrade all the weapons. I mean, this is easy so. to know. This is, this is the last tangent. What trophy status <laughs> Jordan is in Ratchet and Clank. This is, and then that's 12 days of tangents. We did it. I think it works. I, I like it. It's our new tradition. Locking it in. Uh, I've also your... played like 40 hours of Baldur's Gate 3, and I feel like I have mm. no trophies for that. Yeah, well, that's different. That's like Diablo level, like you got to log a thousand hours before you make progress type yeah. type deal. What is your username, Jordan? Uh, Doc Jordan. It's something like electronic mail. Like email. <laughs> electronic mail. Oh, yep, there you are. With a K, so everyone can follow yes. you. Um, oh, everything's private. Real cool, Jordan. Keeping your <laughs> trophies hidden from me. That's that. What a great way to end this tangent. How do you even find them? I, I'm on like... your... Uh, actually, I could go to psnprofiles.com. I was on the PlayStation app. Actually, no, because they'll be private there, too. Yeah. Damn it, Jordan. The world we had a really great that. tradition going, and it was going to end so strong. And now you're just looking at your phone as if you're looking for the Christmas story actor <laughs> all over again. All you're doing. Well, anyway, I don't understand the PlayStation app. I was, I was looking through it. <laughs> I'm an old well, fuddy-duddy. I'll I missed several generations and now I don't know how anything works. <laughs> but you still play the games. Yep. Um, all right, it's all Beatles right. time, right? It's Beatles time. Everyone's Woo! favorite, most anticipated time of year. We are ranking a Beatles album. Last year was the White Album. This year it is Abbey Road. Um, all right, so how do we want to do this? Do we, we each go around naming our number one? What did I we do last year? I think we start at the bottom and go up. I agree. Okay. So and we start do at we, our, but our Do we 17. each go around? 
And yeah, 17, 17, 17. Okay, okay, okay. Like gotcha. That. Is that what we did last year? I don't I think, know, but that's how I we're doing we, it this year. That was a weird one, though, because White Album, what it was Wild Honey Pie, was it, or no, Revolution 9 was at the top, middle, and bottom at each of our lists. Yes. So yes. that's like a strange album with a lot of various tastes. But okay, yes, this one probably more unanimous. We might have some. Well, so the, the tough thing with ranking this album is that it's so strong and it's so much shorter. Like, you don't have as many varied pockets to jump into. Like, the thing about Revolution Number no. 9 and the reason it can be in so many different spots on our list is because it's so out there. It could yeah. really click with you or it could just be abrasive. I feel like there's nothing close to that on Abbey Road. There's nothing no. super alienating. There's not at all. So there could be more variants just because everything's a little bit more it's, uh, narrow. It's such a concise album, and I'm curious whichever one we do next year. Uh whichever it may be just because they have so many like we have years of beatles albums to get through um but this does seem like one of the strongest it, this would probably be my favorite if it wasn't for the white album i would think yeah just consistently overall because magical mystery tour used to be my favorite because i think the highs of that album are like the greatest oh, absolute yeah but um, as an album i don't but, think it's but the lows of that album are also notable you don't like blue jay way I certainly don't. And for that to, to follow up with, um, God damn it. There, sorry, there's a car alarm like happening right outside, <laughs> like wow. aggressively. I don't I can't uh, even it, hear it. Maybe it can't be picked up. And then while I was uh, raising the volume on my phone um, for the podcast we re listened to, um, my notifications were not on silent. Um, anyway. Back to the moment at hand. Um, I don't like flying back to back with Blue Jay Way is possibly the worst sequencing <laughs> in any album of all time. Yeah, it's a little tough. Unless, so, I mean, an album with good songs, because you could just say a kid rock album and then all of them are bad or whatever. So I Except actually have my list already in a spreadsheet because right. I have it in the White Album. I added a new tab to the White Album one we did last year. Okay. So I think I'll go first and then you, Cade. Okay. And then Nick, okay. and I'm just going to type them in as we go up. Nice. But that way, right. mine will be first. So my 17, and I'll just go ahead and say I also put them in kind of a tier list. So the lowest it goes is B. I still think these songs are all quite good. I don't have any okay. song that I'm skipping on Abbey Road. Yeah, no, there's, it's it's real uh, real tight piece of work. So that being said, number 17, Maxwell Silverhammer. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Whoa. Yep. Uh, the siren just stopped. It's um, not that it's a bad song, but I'd li rather listen to the rest of them. That I have a weird nostalgia for that. Like um No, there was a time it was one of my one of my I don't know, top half. Well, it's just like Famous. I listened to it in eighth grade, and it's just like this very mischievous song about like a little boy murdering people, and it's just yeah. like it's the right amount of like super poppy and fun and diabolical. Well, and I, I've heard other people give a lot of flack to this song, saying like that you know like the Beatles spent too much time on it. Like famously, they spent a lot of studio time working on this song. Yeah, but because and it rules as a result. It does. It's great. <laughs> it's just also my huh? least favorite. <laughs> huh, interesting. But that, that more speaks to how much I like the rest of these. 
I guess. But I'm, I, yeah, I got, I got questions. Um, yeah. So, Cade, what is your we'll seventeen come up later? Um, my numbers. Oh, I would like to also say my nostalgia for Maxwell Silverhammer also comes from me and friends of the show Joey Bunn and Alex Rohr in eighth grade. Before the era of YouTube like properly took off, there was like the funnier die videos. There were those other sites where you could get videos. And there was one, someone made an animated Maxwell Silver Hammer where they just animated the entire song, like storyboarded it. So it's actually him killing people. That's cool. And like their eyes popping out of their heads. And we just watched (laughs) it and we thought it was the funniest thing ever. That old timey flash animation. Yeah, the flash (laughs) animation. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, Watched it hundreds of times. Do you remember the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny? Yep. Yes. That's yes. another classic Flash animation, yeah. uh, which I assume is in kind of a similar style to what you're talking about. Yes, very similar. Um, right. Okay, my number 17 is Sun King. Oh. Sun King. Interesting. I love Sun King. I, I mean, again, yeah, there's not really any misses on this album, but that is the one where the medley is so good. And I guess that's technically the start of the medley. No. Uh, I think the whole second side. So it would be, you never give me your money into Sun King. I have heard I think, other people say that Sun King's the start. Is it? But I think never... because as it. Oh, because is the... Well, what's that's Beatles what Rock Band treated as? What is the medley in Beatles Rock Band? I feel like it's because, to be honest with you. Because, like, all the hit, all the singles are before because. There's not a single after because. Well, they flow into each other. I, I don't remember anything flowing in from You Never Give Me Your Money to Sun King. Mm. But I think that's Although, the first track on side yeah, two. Yeah, I guess it does kind of fade away and it just starts playing the weird. Yeah, I don't know. The whole Here Comes the Sun and then they start speaking foreign languages. I don't know. That one is never really stuck. Quando paramucho, yeah. mi amore carazon. It's fine. Uh, Nick, what's your number 17? My number 17 is Her Majesty. Only because it's kind of a non-song. It's very fun. It's very fun to kind of just bop along to. But like, if you think about it compared to the construction of every other song, it's not really... You're aware, though, that was supposed to be in the medley. And they took it out. I was not aware. I know it kind of caps it as on Epilogue. Yes. And it is on Beatles Rock Band. It's... uh, Sorry, Jordan. I think what it was supposed to go after Mean Mr. Mustard. It was supposed to go I think in between you can hear Mean that... Mr. Mustard and Polythene Pam. Yeah. And you can kind of hear like the notes that it starts mm. and ends on. I feel you. But it is like a very pretty, uh, you don't know, like digestif, the, like a nice little dessert at the end of this masterpiece yeah. album. My only qualm with it is the Beatles can end their career with the song The End, which is the perhaps the most fitting end, the love you make is equal or the love you take is equal to the love you make. Like no better way to end it and then oh, by the way, we got like twenty seconds left. But I think that almost makes it even more perfect. Cause the how Beatles is it to undercut your own thing with like a little joke? Yeah, that's true. They were doing that all like, over the place. It is like they an couldn't epilogue. take themselves fully seriously. Yeah. Kind of feels like Harold bopping off at the end of Harold and Maud with his guitar, you know, like the story continues. We go different ways, you know, that sort of thing. Because originally George Martin wanted to cut it and Paul's like, nah, it's too good a song. Just put it on the end. Well, I think it was actually one of the engineers snuck it on the end and then then they listened to it and they liked it. All right. So 16. I think I'm also going to get some flack for this one. 16, Octopus's Garden. Oh my god. <laughs> Your list is insane. That's crazy. You got to redo it. 
<laughs> are you reading your list backwards? <laughs> yeah, are you? Did you start with one? Did you start with the best songs? No. <laughs> oh my god. I. Oh, jeez. Okay. What's your reasoning, Jordan? You sick, disgusting man. <laughs> I mean, it's the same as I like all these other songs better. It's you fun. like Sun King more than Octopus's Garden. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I, I was about to come... I really thought, like, all of us were going to have, like, a weird... Yeah. Octopus's Garden is top five, and just, like... My father hates that song, and he thinks yeah. it's really dumb. Uh, and I've always viewed it as maybe the most fun Beatles song. Yeah. It truly is. With that, with a similar... Well, we can talk about it when we get to the... Yeah, when, the when, yeah, when, I, when I, me I, and Nick get to it 15 songs <laughs> from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's a great song. It's maybe my... I don't know. I, I'd be curious to rank Ringo songs because I think it'd be quite mm-hmm. high on that list. But it's number one. There's no better Ringo song. I kind of like Not some of his old no little chance. country stuff. But he didn't write those. Are you talking about well, writing that's true. or performing? Yeah, if it's Ringo written, then it's got to be the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the only one he wrote a hundred percent of. But even the then, George he Harrison helped. He, right, you're, no, but you're I mean, he gets 100% Kate. of the, the writing credit. Um, my number 16 is You Never Give Me Your Money. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and here's why. Again, not a bad song on this album. This one, though, when I got this album for Christmas in 2006, I want to say. It was, no, Christmas 05, leading into the year 06. So Christmas 2005, I got this album, and I was floored by it. I was completely in awe. We listened to it in the car, my parents, or well, whenever my parents drove everywhere or whatever. And uh, my dad would just, like, tell me. Like, he was buying me all the Beatles albums at that time, and this was just, like, a really fun one to get. I didn't get them in any particular order, but imagine just getting this one and having it start with come together i had had the greatest hits at that point so i knew all the number ones so you get come together in something or like the first two on this album and you're like oh i know those those are great songs heavy hitters they're still in it and then you get maxwell silver hammer which i'm just totally in awe of uh and then oh darling fucking rules spoilers i really like oh darling <laughs> that'll come up later um and then octopus's garden and i just like the first Five songs on this album. Not to even mention the rest of the album, which is very good. But it is just maybe the strongest start to a Beatles album, perhaps? I I just... It's nothing but hits. And I remember distinctly going to my best friend Keith's house, and I had the CD player, and I put the CD in, and I'm like, you gotta hear this. And then I would play 30 seconds of each one, and I'd skip to the next one. And I wouldn't (laughs) even, like, let... He's like, can I hear more than 30 (laughs) seconds of a song? Like, no, you got to hear this one. Anyway, back in the day when I was doing all this, You Never Give Me Your Money was one I always skipped. I don't really know why. It just never really grabbed me the way the rest of the album did. Well, interesting. I'll give my thoughts on it later. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Probably next, because I assume that's your 15. Uh, Nick, what's your 16? 16 for me is because, and this is part of the show where I say that if the medley was counted as one song, it would obviously be number one, you know, sure. I mean, for yeah. a variety of Really density. impressive feat in songwriting. Absolutely. Because, to me, it will always be a kind of unfun introduction, you know, where it's like, it's impressive. 
I think it's the first time I really thought about three-part harmony. But, yeah. It's just a... It's a beginning. It's not an actual piece for me. Yeah. Um, okay, Jordan. 15? 15, Golden Slumbers. Okay. I think uh, of the lullaby songs the Beatles have, it's better than Good Night. Sure. But otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's also... I'm, I guess I'm thinking of... I don't know. It's kind of aggressive. Like, I wrote a song... Yeah. It in builds college, that was like a lullaby, and it was kind of just a fast-paced drum, even though like it's very peaceful. And you critiqued at the time, like, "What ba- babies are going to get woken up by this? What is going on?" <laughs> and I feel like Golden Slumbers has always had that. Like Paul is really showing off his voice in that one. Yeah, and just it's loud and big, and yeah, it's not really a lullaby song to me. No. And again, this is another one where at one point this would have been probably top five for me on this album. Yeah, but no, I, everything I think Everything so else too. rose in estimation rather than this. The back-to-back back with that and Carry That Weight is just so good. Yeah. Um, again, okay. this, is, this is the weirdest part, I think, of trying to rank this list is disassembling the medley to put yeah. them in order. Because yeah. yes. there, there's a lot of things in here that's like... Like, for whatever reason, I kind of had trouble with you never give me your money. She came in through the bathroom window and carried that weight. Because to me, those three kind of especially feel tied to the melody medley. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, they I, are spread out in my list, but. mine I, Those three yeah. are kind of together for me. I do have a couple medley toward the top, not too yeah. high up. Um, my number 15 is because. Because. Interesting. Um, kind of the same recent Nick. I actually did meet my uh, favorite author, Rob Sheffield, um, who wrote a book on the Beatles. He was doing a conference in Charlottesville, and I attended, and he signed my book with the lyrics from Because, so now I have a more special appreciation of that song. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I had never really... I do remember when the, the Love CD came out in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like the, the Cirque du Soleil show happened and they did like that album. That's a whole bunch of like mashups of Beatles songs. It's a lot of fun. It's very fun. Um, but they had, uh, the opening song is an acapella version of Because, Mm. which is pretty fascinating. No Mm. instrumental. And it kind of does lend itself to that, even though the guitar is doing like a kind of interesting thing. No, I was even going to say, like I heard just like on YouTube, someone who'd separated out the vocals. Yeah. And I think I like the song more after having heard that. Have you not heard the Love album? Not really, no. I think oh, I've man. I've heard I think I've been played some of the songs on it, but I've never actually sat down. Yeah, sit down and listen to all. That was I got that for Christmas the following year. Four people bought me that album. <laughs> wow. I got it four <laughs> times for Christmas. That is how much everyone knew I would like it. And it was also, yeah. oh, like, new Beatles. Like, he'll like this because yeah. it's on the shelf in every store. Like, in my head, Drive My Car slash The Word yes. is, like, the default version of that song for me. It's I heard it a so really it's good... A, it's a seamless. Because that's, anyway. like, also, like, track six or whatever, so you're really getting a feel oh, yeah. for what this album can do. It's, like, right at the start, and you're, like, huh. so excited. Um, yeah, Jordan, do yourself a favor, and this fine New Year's Eve, just put love on the speakers. Maybe um, I will. Nick, you're 15. 15 for me is carry that weight. You know, it's okay. a, and we're kind of still in that like the suffering from separating the medley out. Like you said, carry that weight is like an interstitial. It's a transition for me. Like it's good, 
I wouldn't listen to it on its own. I would never say, man, I really want to hear Carry That Weight specifically and then stop, you know? Yeah. Um, Jordan, you're 14. My 14 is Her Majesty. And this is also okay. notable because it's the crossover from, from B to A tier, which, again, shows how ridiculous this album is because we're on track 14 <laughs> out of 17. And I don't think it can be less than an A. But Her Majesty is one of those songs that I end up humming to myself it's so disproportionately. Pretty and it's so short. Yeah, from for it's how short it is. It comes up in my head pretty frequently. Um, yeah, so yeah I that's can, my fourteen. I can say, uh, yeah, just I guess I, when it comes up, I'll just say it now. It's there. I've heard every Beatles song hundreds of times. There's not really one that. I mean, you can hear them so many times to and get to the point where I've heard that, but. Her Majesty, you it never gets old because you're never like fatigued with oh I have to listen to this twenty seconds like yeah. it's always pretty it's always short and sweet like yeah big fan of that. Um, my number fourteen is I want you she's so heavy. Hmm. Um, I like the guitar riff in this song it's very cool I have always thought this song goes on for too long. Um, even though I've appreciated more and more as the years go on, I like it way more than I did back when I was playing 30 seconds of each song to my best friend. Um, yeah. I dig that one much more in Across the Universe, honestly, than on the album itself. Like, I'm trying to remember what they across do. Across the Universe, they do the whole like Vietnam thing where it's like they're carrying the Statue of Liberty on their back. Oh, she's the yeah. like, And that's like the most interested in that song I've ever been. You okay. know what I mean? On its own, I think it's it's not. I mean, it is an interesting... Is it a joke song? Like, is he talking about a fat lady? Or (laughs) is he talking about the Statue of Liberty? Who can say? (laughs) So I brought up the Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. Um, And so side one ends with I Want You, which is really cool just because the way it crescendos and the sound goes and all that. And then side... I've always thought it's fascinating to go into... Because on the CD, it gets louder and louder and louder, and then it just stops and then it's this pretty little guitar yes. here comes the sun which is the I, beginning I of never, side two yeah i don't know i kind of like the whole like super loud and then all of a sudden quiet peaceful and yeah. great yeah the kind of wind sound yeah. that they've gotten there it's yeah really but nice. then also just while we're here i so side two has here comes the sun and then it has because and then the wikipedia says medley so for whatever reason uh, what whoever wrote this delineates the medley as starting with the uh, you never give me your money after because. Well, that's that which thing is, of like, you never give me your money is definitely part of the medley. Yes. So I can well, totally they feel they reference that. it again. So yeah. are you saying because is or is not part of the medley? According to this, it is not. But okay, that's what I've always thought. Okay. It's hard um, to say though, because like the medley is not strictly songs flowing into each other all the time. Sometimes there is like little. I've always thought it starts with Sun King, but I it totally does make sense because you never give me your money like ends with crickets and then that leads into Sun King. Just for right. my brain, check the rock band medley and see if it includes it because I don't think it does. I'm almost vividly remember like the piano starting sure, to yeah. that track, um, but yeah, we can yeah, Google that momentarily. Uh, Whose turn was it? It's Nick's oh, 14. 14. Yes, my 14, honestly, and I'm kind of peeking at Kate's list just a little bit. It's my controversial pick of the list. I have something way down at. Whoa. Whoa. That is going to be controversial. <laughs> I feel like most of this album is either 
fun or like super impressive vibey nonsense almost and something is just the only like straight up song on the album you know Mm. it's like a simple simple little love song and that's not a bad thing it's not a bad song it's just you know when i was (laughs) when i was re-listening to it on like the drive or whatever i was like this is not one that i want to sing along to this is not one that builds in a different direction it just feels like you're asking me will my love grow I don't know. I don't think it's to their me, best love song. You know what I mean? I mean, they have a lot, but I think it might... Wait, who said... Tony Bennett said it's the best song love song ever written? Or I think Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Yeah, Frank Sinatra says it's the best love song ever written. I do think I, I give the song... I kind of agree with him. <laughs> ...a little bit of more credit because of the... The bones of this song are so strong that I feel like it can be covered in lots of different ways. Whereas other songs on this album, I think, are great in part because of their production Beatles here. Songs. Yeah. So I, I think that something has kind of a timelessness to it. But again, we can talk about that later when it comes up again. I just, the third verse where all their voices come in and they're harmonizing the me- melody, like, there's just nothing prettier. It yeah. just, uh, what a what a wonderful song. Sorry, Nick, you're wrong on that one. Well, that's fair. <laughs> this isn't put Octopus's Garden at the, the last. <laughs> yeah, everyone is really doing a lot of hot takes, except me. But see, that's what I, That's why I thought this might be more mixed up, is because yeah. it's all such high-caliber material. Yeah, that's true. That... Well, even with the White Album, again, we had uh, Revolution 9 at the top, bottom, and middle of each of our lists. Yeah. So, and I also had this is I because I had the tabs open earlier. I had Cry Baby Cry at number five, and you both had it at like in the twenties. Yeah, so that was I, another that one is where an it's just like completely left five. field. That's crazy. <laughs> that is just truly insane. All right, so my thirteen is Carry That Weight, which again yeah. is like we said, it's medley material. Yeah. It's great in the context of the medley. You separate it; it's a little less. Yeah, all yes, all those just kind of blend together. Um, in the middle. That's what I was trying to discern when I was finishing this list at the start of this podcast. Yeah. My number 13, perhaps my most controversial, is Here Comes the Sun mm, at number wow. 13. I think this is perhaps maybe the most overrated Beatles song. Interesting. It's I, also like the number one on Spotify, I think. Yeah. It's the most I, popular Beatles song. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I have it ranked higher than that, obviously, but not super high. I just don't like how dispassionate he sounds during it. You know, like mm. the medley, the, the melody is very pretty. The instrumentation is good, but it's just like, all right, he's just bored. You know, like let's let's yeah. get it a little bit more lively. It's here. a very nice George song, and I don't know. It's a, it's a nice little guitar ditty, but yeah, I've never really stuck to this song, and it does uh, make me less interested in it when other people are like, you know, it's the best one. It's not uh, the top of my list, but I will champion it later. So, yeah, okay. a little bit. Um, more. My th- thirteen is Polythene Pam. You know, okay, a lot of fun. Another. It's just this is where I kind of start to join you guys on like so much of this album is so good. Medley you know, in the middle, yeah. 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 Polythene Pam is like you know it's it's not a full meal for me. Sure. Okay. Um, Jordan twelve. My this is yeah. where I have I want you. <laughs> I think this okay. is a great song, and I think it does benefit from its length, even though it is kind of long, because it just gets you into that trance, like that mm-hmm. that climbing line is the the fuzz builds. I think if it was sure. shorter, it'd be worse, even though it's repetitive. Yeah, okay. That is fair. Um, 
My number 12 is Golden Slumbers. Okay. So we're all just kind of recycling pieces have, of the me medley. Here. We can loop in on it. I also have Golden Slumbers as my 12. Hey. Okay. So we can talk about it kind of at the same Jordan, time. Jordan, you have to change your list. So mine was 15. So we're, we're kind of in agreement about Golden Slumbers. This is the first song that has appeared on all of our lists, I believe. Okay. Yes. So yeah, true. around the same spot. Okay. Uh, Jordan then? Or, sorry, Nick. No, well, that was my 12. Oh, that was your know, 12. So yes, we can yes. just okay. yeah. Do you have any other comments? I mean, we already talked about it. So probably. I, we did kind of already talk about it. I think it's a weird lullaby that he starts screaming in halfway through, but I, yeah. I love it. I think it's it's, it's a great song for Paul's voice, for the power yeah. of Paul's voice, which he doesn't always get to do without screaming, but this time he goes... His, his voice in this album is just unreal. Mm. Yeah. Just for, unreal. for another track in particular. My number yes. 11 is Sun King. So I, I, I really do, do I. like Sun King. Do uh, I. Again, it's got great vocal harmonies and uh, just it's very atmospheric. I also yeah. like it contrasted with, you know, Here Comes the Sun. Um, so my 11? Yes. Is Carry That Weight. Okay. So that's the next song medley. that's appeared on all, all, all of our lists. Okay. I do like... I like how it circles back to You Never Give Me Your Money, which is, yeah. I think, why that song is lower on this list, because I would always skip it because I was like, oh, that comes up later in a much quicker and cohesive way. Mm. So I don't need to listen to this version of it. Um, Nick? My 11 is I Want You, She's So Heavy. Okay. I, I do, after you talked about it, you know, I do find, like, it's kind of a a piece all to its own. You know, you could listen to that on its own, you get a full ride, essentially. It is, I yeah. do think on the album, like the way it starts, if we're thinking about it particularly, like in the flow of the album, it kind of sticks out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I really love that opening riff. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And then it's just kind of, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's very 60s. Very, For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, good album, Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. Um, Jordan? Yeah, number, number 10? 10, Mean Mr. Mustard. Well, that is also my number 10. Oh. See, I like this song a lot. I think it's similar, though, to Polythene Pam, and we will get to Polythene Pam later. But it's kind of um, like you saying with Carry That Weight and You Never Give Me Your Money. I find these yeah. are kind of companion pieces. They and are. And of the 100%. two, I like Polythene Pam better. So, I Same. I'm curious to see where you have it, because I would always hear Mean Mr. Mustard. And I would get so excited because I knew Polythene Pam was next. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. it, it just, they lead into each other so well. Yeah. And it's just such a thrill ride. Um, I think I think they Nick, could have left Her, Her Majesty there, too. I think that would have been a good kind of slow yeah. down between them. But they I also don't think there's well any way you other. sequence this album where it's bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the medley not being in it would be tragic. But yeah. these songs are still really good. Uh, my number 10 is Sun King also, so okay. I'm just kind of behind you guys. Well, too a little high. bit of a, yeah, I do high. really like the atmospheric nature. I think yeah. the fact that the ambient sounds of, like, the crickets or whatever, you know, the sound of the trees uh, coming in first really helps me kind of settle into it a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, so I really do enjoy that vibe a lot. Okay. So my number nine is Oh Darling. Ooh, Interesting. Big vocal chops from McCartney here. I think it's his, yeah. his best song vocally, vocally on the album. Yeah, I agree. With you. I would say that too. That's why I had it much higher. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, 
when I get to my highest Paul song, you can be like, "We're gonna have a talk." <laughs> we might have to. Um, my number nine is Her Majesty. For okay. similar reasons that I said earlier on, yeah. this song is impossible to get sick of because you can hear like one of the like "Here Comes the Sun" that comes on, and obviously it's a it's an amazing song, it's wonderful, but. You're just like, there's five minutes of this. Yeah. I've heard it so many times. Her Majesty, like, oh, 20 seconds and it's over? I want more. Yeah. Play it again. Yeah. <laughs> Run it back. All right, Nick, you're number uh, nine? My number nine is Mean Mr. Mustard. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think we're getting real close to each other on some of these, you know. Yeah, yeah that was all nine and ten. A lot of Mean, oh, Mr. mean Mr. Mustard, Mustard. just like, it gets me right away. You know, I'm like, do-do-do-do-do, yeah. and then you're there, and then you're singing along with it, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's such and... a fun drum fill to kick off the yeah, song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is, and it's such a weird character. Like, you're, I tried to visualize, who is Mean Mr. Mustard? Yeah. Like, what are his goals? Yeah. <laughs> what are his plans? Yeah. Um, Jordan, you're number eight. So my eight is a jump up. Y'all had it at 15 and 16. It's because. Okay. Weird. Strange. I love the vocal harmonies. This is one uh, that I'll occasionally just listen to separate from the rest of the album. I don't, I don't know, particularly okay. know why, but like, I don't do that with all of these. Like, I, I rarely, I, I would never go in and just listen to Maxwell Silverhammer. If I'm listening to that song, I'm listening oh, to the man. whole album. Well, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah, can't recommend enough that love version of it then. You know, if the harmonies are really what gets you about it. Yeah. yeah. That version on love is tremendous. The acapella. Yeah, and that's the opening track on love. So it's a 26-song Beatles album, and it opens with acapella because. Sounds good to me. It's very good. You should put it on after this. I'm shocked <laughs> that you have not, like, done a deep dive on love. All right, Cade, you're number um, eight. My number eight is She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. Okay. Which is perhaps the one that has grown most in my esteem since I got the album in 2005. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it tells a really pretty story. I'm The thing that has kind of helped, held it back is I'm not really crazy about the, uh, didn't anybody tell her? <laughs> like that bridge is just, or is it a chorus technically? Uh, I, it's, I think it's more of a bridge than a chorus. But that, yeah, it's the, funny because yeah. that was like the, the specific thing I was going to point out about it that I love. Uh, you are the Moriarty to my Sherlock. <laughs> um, no, because I love just like especially Polythene Pam ramps up and you're like, "Where's this going? Where's this roller coaster?" Going? And then it's just she came in through the bathroom window, and then it's like just this beautiful like ahs and oohs in the background and all yeah. this. Yeah, uh, really, really love that song, except for the bad part Jordan likes. Um, <laughs> I, I've just always liked that uh, Sundays on the phone with Monday, Tuesdays on the phone with me. That is a really line. good line. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. All right. uh, my number eight is Here Comes the Sun. And this is by far, well, maybe not my biggest, like, just respect pull, but uh, it's certainly one of two where it's like, it's this high on the list because of how iconic it is, yeah. almost, you know? Where it's like, is it the one I choose to listen to on my own? No. But it is. A, is it a song that I first think of when I think of the Beatles? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, here comes the sun. And there's musically it's very good. I just don't really care for the vocals as much. I think that's what probably keeps it out of the top five. Maybe you're just not a George fan if something is the worst actually, song on this. I think album. we're learning something about me here. Yeah. Very good. Closet George hater. <laughs> so my uh, number Jordan. seven is She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, which we just talked okay. about. So we so, can yeah. move that's right. That's my on number to... seven too. Okay, there hey. we go. So, we so that that's together. another one. We do have some 
there's some synchronicity in here yeah yeah except for at the bottom and perhaps the top (laughs) our but our middle with (laughs) mean mr mustard uh she came in through the bathroom window and uh was there another one sun king is all kind of clustered Cade's it's lower but the other me and nick sure agree yeah sun king worst one on the album. <laughs> Even through the bathroom window is just so poetic to me. I, know, I mean, it's, it's not such a I know beautiful it's, visual it's song. I find most of the album, I don't want to call it nonsense, it could just be that I'm not understanding it, but <laughs> is so kind of like non-dense whereas she came through the bathroom window is just lyrically like clever enough and poetic to be like I understand everything you're trying to say. There are parts that I guess I'm guessing at, but it's like it's accessible and beautiful. Mm. I think is my, right, so my number Kate, seven? you're number seven, yeah. Okay. I have vivid memories of polythene pan. Uh, I would come home from school, and I had the little like basketball hoop in your room with mm. the, the Nerf ball, and I would play polythene pan on a loop and just shoot hoops in my room. And I was like, this is the most badass anyone can feel. <laughs> <laughs> Sinking shots while listening to polythene pan. I don't know, it's just like so fast and just lyrically great and... Yeah. Yeah, it just rules. And it's mm-hmm. like 60 seconds. Perfect song. Proto-punk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it's my number well, six. I, I, I shared a seven, so we'll go No, I... Oh, so what was your... Yours? My, my seven is... You, um, oh, you already also, said yours. Yeah, whenever we overlap, I'm just okay. going to call it out to save time so okay. we can all mush yeah. over it about the same time. But, cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be Jordan six now. Okay. It is the end. That is also my number six. That's also my number six. Whoa! <laughs> this has never happened before! I think maybe the first drum solo I remember hearing. It's not... I, I've come to know that it's not the best drum solo of all time. Yeah. But it's certainly the one where I'm like, Oh my god, all I'm hearing now is drums. This is amazing. And I'm like... Uh, I really get taken away by it. Yeah. This this one moved the most while I was making the, this list. It's okay. like started out lower because there's as a song there isn't actually that much song to it, like it's more just kind of a collection of a like it's a culmination of the rest of the medley, but it also serves that function so well. I just kept lifting it up and up and up until it ended yeah. up here at number six, and I love the yeah. trading solos, like you already said, the it's, drum solo. It's the, it's the perfect culmination of their work just yeah. to end on it. Like yeah, it just rules. And it's, again, it's, it has it was all that, building to that. It's that um. That Beatles grandeur mixed with a kind of silly line, like "Yeah, the love you take is and equal to the love you make," is both kind of a yeah, a joke, but it's also kind really of true. Yeah, and also yeah, just silly, and like silly enough for Chris Farley to quote it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah rules uh, number six, solid. So that is we can lock that in. That is definitely the sixth best song <laughs> yes. on this album. No matter who you ask, it's the same. No matter who no, you yeah, ask, it absolutely. is number six, no question. Except no substitutes. So Jordan, the, what I think there's only one song that hasn't come up so far. Which yeah, is, so all of us have this in the top five. Yes, which has come together. Um, but that's not my number five. number five. No. Oh, well, okay. My number five is Here Comes the Sun, which we've also talked about, but I just think is... I agree that I don't put it on very often, but if this comes on the radio or something, I'm not expecting it. Or if I'm out in public and it comes on, and it's one of the Beatles songs that will still come on when you're out and yeah. about. Yeah, every, every single it's time the one that will I'm come like, on the most. I know, but still, like I'm just like, oh, like that that beautiful guitar. <laughs> What's this the, little the, tune? The electronic, uh, the organ stuff that's happening in it. Yeah, 
It's just, yeah, it's classic. Feels like a sunny Still day. Still making the rounds. It is like a sunny day. Um, my number five is Come Together. Samesies. Okay. Mine's four, um, so we can lump that in. Anyway, all right. we're uh, all adjacent. Really good song, obviously. Uh, this was one, weirdly, like, when I first started listening to the Beatles, this one never really clicked with me. Like, mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I would skip it sometimes. Um, but you can't deny just how badass it sounds. It and really just, like, is. It It's such a cool song, and it has only grown in my esteem as the years have gone on. Even though it's still, I wouldn't put it in top ten Beatles songs, but yeah, yeah it, it is truly great. The intro yeah, feelings... guitars and Phil are just so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's such it's an really iconic tight. sound, and the Beatles are great at doing that. Just starting a song with something that'll immediately hook you in. Uh, but this, I think, is a great example of that on their last album. And it's also the very first song, which like makes it like the yeah. fact that it hooks you in like it does. Like it, It's like someone grabbing the scruff of your shirt and pulling you in. It's like, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's sure. It, it's a great way to, yeah, to start off the record, for sure. I feel like my feelings to it are really similar. But it's definitely my other respect pool, where it's like, I recognize that you... Like, maybe it's because I played it so much that I got sick of it. But it's like, it is, I think, one of their most iconic signs. It's an excellent, like, atmosphere and a vibe. And it was one of the first songs, like, I wanted to teach myself that on bass when I started playing bass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and, uh, it's kind of undeniably cool. It is so cool. Yeah, it is like the Beatles song that you'll hear on, like classic rock radio yeah like if you're is, hearing something is. with led zeppelin if they're gonna play a beatles song yeah. also it'll be this yeah i agree i guess that's also kind of where my uh early dislike of it came from just because it was one of the ones that was overplayed it really yeah. like i was just into the early beatles and all the the weird stuff mm-hmm. um, like i am the warris but the radio played constantly like let it be come together which I do love Let It Be. Like, that has sure. stayed up there for me. But that's not on this album. Um, my number four is yes. Maxwell Silver Hammer. Okay. Hey. That means Jordan's wrong. <laughs> so what do you like about it? Sell me on it. I, I think I already said all the things when it came up for you. Yeah, we watched just the, the imagery. Video, the, yeah. the flash animation or whatever. Um, yeah, it just it's just so fun and wacky and it is like the epitome of the Beatles silliness I think late nights all alone with a test tube oh 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 yeah yeah it's just like it's it's so zany I don't think there's a zanier song for sure from the yeah. Beatles yeah. like I feel like Octopus's Garden is kind of silly but it's more kitty but Maxwell is actually just fun silly yeah uh, my favorite thing about it is kind of like the sound design on it where it's like, it's not just the fact that you have like the hammer sound in the background, you know, but mm-hmm. like, I love how quiet Paul gets at certain parts where he's like almost whispering it, yeah. you know, where it's like really down low. And then you kind of bring it back in. This is a very drum heavy album. And I feel like the drums do work on this as well. It's a very sure. fun kind of kid's song, even though it's like kind of too naughty to be a kid's song, but that's what makes it fun sure. to listen to as a kid. Oh, exactly. Like yeah. the just, it's so promiscuous. Yeah. And debaucherous. <laughs> um, all right, Jordan, you're number three. Top three. So I think this one will be a... Su- oh, maybe it won't be, actually. So it's You Never Give Me Your Money. God. Oh, that's my number behavior. three. That's really? Why, yeah. So that's why I had that hesitation, because I was like, y'all are both going to be surprised by it. Then I looked at your list that I'm typing out in front of me, and I was like, I don't see it. <laughs> so Yeah. 
Wow. Um, yeah. All right. Well, both of you defend yourselves. So for me, this is kind of a... Um, like, I like the variety in it. Like, this song goes places, and it keeps going places. It also, for me, I've always thought of it as the beginning of the medley. So it's like the takeoff. Even though, because I, I agree, kind of does also serve that function. But um, Sure. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the lyrics. But, like, just the different... It starts in a place, uh, you know, with a... You know, you never give you, me your money stuff. But then you go to the out-of-college money spent little section... Yeah. The one sweet dream section. And then you finally end with the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And so it's yeah, like a song with like three different outros. <laughs> sure. It is. And I, I love that. Personally, like, care as much for the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But I do love, the build is why it's on there. It definitely developed so much from like the quietness it starts on and ramps up and kind of explodes into this kind of cacophony near the end. Like, I enjoy the kind of smorgasbord here more than i do at the end of she's so heavy you know mm. where it's like it's it's overwhelming but it's a, just a different flavor of that and the development is just really cool uh yeah yeah all these things that you're saying just never clicked with me well to me it's it's almost like paul's version of happiness is a warm gun because again mm. like that song's another one where it it's not a song that loops back to a chorus or anything. It's just like, here's this part, yeah. here's this part, here's this part, here's this part, and then it's over. This kind yeah. of does a similar thing, but in a much more floaty, melodic way. But uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun was my number one song on uh, the White Album. So Good song. This, this rises to the five. top for a similar reason. It's got a lot of parts, and I like each of them. It is a lot of things in one song. So, Kate, what is that's your... what made it hard to cling to as a child yeah what's your number three um my number three is octopus's garden uh for all the reasons we said it's maybe the most fun beatles song i love their underwater breathing uh (laughs) uh harmonies during the chorus um and the chorus is just fun, and the riff is great. Like, it's one of the most fun Beatles rock band songs to play, Absolutely. me and Nick were discussing. Um, yeah, it's just fun, and it's like, paints a pretty picture. And I really love the end, like, where they do the... George is just killing it on guitar in this song. Absolutely. Know, like, with an octopus's... In an octopus's garden with you, and then they do the minor, and then, yeah, they just mm-hmm. repeat it every time. And then that pretty little ending. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's a great it song. Rules. Yeah, rules. Rules, rules, rules. Uh, All right. It's going to be Jordan's two now. Yes, oh, my two. You're right. Okay, okay. My number two is Polythene Pam. Hey. I love this song. I uh, can respect that. Yeah. No one's it's, mad at It that. rules. It's also like I loved playing it on guitar as a kid. It's also one of my mom's favorite Beatles song. So It's just a cool like little punk rock Beatles song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So It's just super awesome. Um my number two is Oh Darling. Gotcha. I really I, I had, knew this was going to be high on yours. I really had trouble. This was so close to being one, but I just couldn't. Uh, spoilers, my number one is something, and I felt bad about putting this above something. Yeah. Um, it. Yeah, this song is perfect. This is definitely one of my favorite Beatles songs of all time. It's uh, Paul's voice is just insane. The guitar is great. The piano is great. It's just always a a blast to listen to no notes Paul. <laughs> all 
right, Nick, you're number two. My number two is Octopus's Garden, and I'm not okay. going to you know go at length because I feel like Kate said most of what I would have said about it too. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, this is kind of my nostalgia pool because it is so much fun to play on Beatles Rock Band mm-hmm. because of the guitar, because of George's guitar, and I just love how George's guitar kind of talks back to Ringo during the whole song. Yeah, it's so, so it's like yeah. every time Ringo stops, he's hitting it back. Like it's like the guitar is the octopus almost. You know what I mean? And like wow. it's fun it's, read. It's a very you know whimsical but also very technically impressive. You know what I mean? Like the fact that Octopuses of Garden of all things is probably on as a George hater, I guess, you know. My favorite George riff, you know. I I, I yeah. did that. Um, right, number one. Nice. Jordan's is it Mine, something? It's something. something? Yeah. It's something. Okay. To me, this and, is just like a rock solid song. They, it can be covered in a much, bunch of different ways yeah. and still be good. But obviously, the version here is also excellent. The bass line is phenomenal. Yeah, it's the solo is so beautiful. Like the lyrics. Yeah, it's just it's just a simple, perfect love song. I also think it's it the culmination of George's arc. As going yeah. from someone who's trying to get any room on these albums to yeah. suddenly writing the best song on the album. <laughs> Debatably, of course, but my opinion, the yes. best song on the album. It's like a culmination of, of his growth yeah. as a no, songwriter. It's a fun way to look at his career arc, too. And there's all the you know the theories of... like He has the best debut solo album afterward because he yeah. wrote so many songs that the Beatles were like, not good enough for this album. John yeah. and Paul were like, we have better songs. So... That's why he had so many leftover bangers, and he had like a two disc album or something crazy. Which he should, I think he should have split that up. But it is great well, as a two disc album. But like, yeah, he could I have mean, had two hit albums. I know because after that, he doesn't have as many as. No. It seems like Paul and John have multiple hit albums, and yeah. he just has one that is the best, and then some hits, but never a full album. Well, it's interesting great. watching George on the anthologies because he seems a little bit resentful of Paul and John. Like, I mean, because yeah. they pushed Absolutely. him in the corner, but that I do think his best material came out of that. Like, yeah. not like something included, but also all things must pass would not have. Like it, it clearly yeah. showed that once he was out of that pressure cooker, it seemed like his output never quite. They turned coal came back. into a diamond by belittling him. <laughs> it, it's a testament to the power of abuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so true. Um, Nick, what was your one number? One? My number one is "Oh Darling." Yeah. Um, yeah. Rules is like the best. My I guess my thing with this album is that I like how fun it is, which kind of explains for me why something is something that's very straightforward is low on it for me. Right. But Oh Darling, I love it just because it has every vibe of something they might have played at the beginning of their career, something a little bit more 50s-ish, a little bit more standard. But the fact that they take it away from that after the first like 30 seconds to be something that's so... kind of It, it brings an anger to the song that the lyrics like kind of would warrant, but you'd hear it from a crooner earlier, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as the guitar stings become just a little bit more angry, like, you know, and then finally Uh, Paul just starts screaming. And it's just like, that is fun. And it's it's also just kind of like a fun interpretation of what that kind of song is, you know, where it's like Elvis can do it. And he's like crying on the guitar, you know what I mean? But like Paul's doing it in a much more emotionally honest way of like, I am, you know, <laughs> I'm angry. You're yeah. gonna, you're gonna kill me. It, yeah. <laughs> you know? If you leave, I will die. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, there's a desperation to it that doesn't feel too serious. Um, I love it. Yeah. It rules. Um, so I, I, I was looking over. Happy Road. 
Go I ahead. was looking over all the songs, trying to see what the mo- like the song that placed in the greatest variety of spots. Yeah, like Revolution. Yeah, and I think it might be Polythene Pam, because that that's at number that's- two on my list. Number seven Why on seven? Cade's list and number thirteen on Nick's list. Okay, so yeah. yeah, that's probably as close as you get to Revolution Nine for this album. Which is funny because this is just such a more a palatable song. song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Alex really was an outlier in that episode. And then we also another thing that happens is that we do have like a cluster of things that are the same. Notably, at six yeah. we all have the end, but then like me and Cade have something at number one. And Nick, you have something down at 14, yet y'all have Oh Darling at 1 and 2, and I have Oh Darling at 9, which is like a considerable drop. You Never Give Me Your Money, we both have it number 3, Cade has it at number 16. So there's there's a lot where two people are in consensus on a great thing, and then someone else has it thrown all the way to the bottom. And again, Maxwell Silverhammer and Octopus's Garden is another example of that, where my list is low on y'all's list very high. I'm looking at mine, Cade's list, and we actually matched up our six, five, and four exactly, which is kind of fun, you know, where it's like, there's some that, like, I don't know, indelibly, I feel like the, the soft spots always win on most lists, you know what I mean? So, like, all of our number ones are just different, you know, because we're approaching it from our own personal perspectives as opposed to saying, what will the historians say the best Beatles song is on this album? Yeah, and, and yeah, it's interesting because the end, of course, we're all yeah. tied with. Come together, we're basically tied with. That's four and five yeah. for all of us. Um, she came in through the bathroom window. It was all seven or eight. So yeah, it's it's interesting because it's it's a mix of consensus, and then the tops and bottoms are where mm-hmm. the most flipping is happening, which I do think is different than the white album. Yes, I think well, the there was a little bit just... more. I don't know, again, because there's so many songs. There are some things yeah. that were just, yeah. Anyway, a, a classic uh, album. A great record. Great record. I almost, uh, um, it would be too much work to do to figure out real quick, but uh, if we treated the medley as one song, oh yeah, how similar would Boy. our rankings be then? Because the highest medley I have on the list is number six with the end. Interesting. And I don't think I move around. Maybe if I get the whole medley, I put it above Maxwell and come together. Wow, you really do love the but first five songs of this album, huh? I won't budge on Octopus's Garden. <laughs> or uh, Oh Darling. Or Well, something. okay, how about this? If the medley was one song, would it still be number six for you? Or would you put it higher? I think I'd put it at number four. See, I think it'd be number one if I could. If, I mean, if I'm putting the whole medley Same. in a single no, track, because it's but... not, it's not a better song. Because then, if that was the whole thing, like something like Jesus of Suburbia, a Green Day song, one of my favorites, it rules. But it's also ten minutes, yeah. and it's like I would rather listen to these songs in pieces, like because it is the same. It's a medley. It's five different songs in one huge nine-minute song. Well, um, I'm also a big Who fan, and I'm I think sure. a, a classic a, a appreciator of the medley. Yeah, I actually. On, I don't know if you ever listened to me and Nick, your friend from... Uh, your roommate. My roommate, uh, Nick. <laughs> Nick B., your old roommate. Our second album ends with a 12-minute medley in a very similar style. Yeah. Okay. Well, are you comparing yourself to the Beatles? Yeah. Or the it, it's it's <laughs> not only similar, but it's exactly as good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, 
Okay, so uh, I guess it's now for tradition, uh, our second tradition, uh, where we say our favorite moment from this year. Uh, Jordan, mm. would you like to start? You weirdly had nothing notable happen to you all year, <laughs> so I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, my uh, best moment was, of course, uh, getting married to Ellie. July uh, 15th. Is she like, standing in the corner right now? With gun. Yeah, yeah with she's a gun. got a gun pointed at my head. but yeah it was a uh notably busy year like if you go back to 2017 or 2018 when we were first doing the (laughs) podcast the number of like big things that i did in a year basically none (laughs) this year i got married i took and passed the bar exam i moved to a new city and i bought a house yeah that's amongst other things things. it's crazy year and got you know a ps5 yeah and got a job (laughs) I guess that's and, pretty well, important. That's lower on the list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you've had a uh, busy year. It's hard with all these great things like watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and getting married to of course. Uh, put uh, pick one specific winner. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, we had a really fun, uh, you know, bachelor party night for you. So, you know, that's also probably in contention for your best <laughs> yeah. moment. Us at 3 a.m. drinking Boilermakers. Oh, the boy. night before your With wedding. a nice dog. <laughs> with a very nice dog. <laughs> um, my best moment of the year. I do have a few, but I think I will have to go with giving my best man speech at Keith's wedding. Not that <laughs> I punch. didn't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I didn't enjoy. I, that's that. Your that speech is also a top five moment, just because that and the the day and you not dying by a camera falling on your head was also a, a highlight of uh, of Bonus. the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. Just the culmination of I had been rehearsing this speech so many times, and I had known Keith for so long, and it just really all paid off. I got so many compliments after, which is always pleasant. Um, and you know, the most importantly, Keith loved it. Like that was, yep. I did it for him. And That's he, awesome. Yeah. And it was, it could not have gone better. I wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, so, yeah. Very and nice. that whole day was just perfect. Very cool. Much like your wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was hot outside at your wedding day, there was a 30 minute, yeah. like very hot. And we were all hung over for reasons unknown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, we, we got to the site a little bit early. And that was yeah. tough, given I mean, the I, heat. We, we did have cars that were uh, pumping AC, so that was nice. We only had to be out in the heat for, for a short amount of time, yep. which was nice. Uh, Nick, what is your favorite moment of the year? You guys want the quick answer or the heavy answer? Because we've been talking for two and a half hours. Oh, I mean... <laughs> so it's up to you. Give us the, give us the heavy answer. Well, well, let's go for three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It is heavy, just because... Well, it's kind of a mixed thing, because when I first listened to your first episode, I was like, I think y'all said it was like, you might have done best and worst moments of the year. Yeah. The second episode that he that was Jordan Yeah, on. Jordan was absent, and I was like, this is going to take too long, and who's yeah. going to want to talk about their worst For moment? For sure. Yeah. And I was like, I can So do we that. just <laughs> changed it. Yeah. Well, my, this is the circuitous way of getting to my best moment of the year, but it's like, uh, it was a pretty heavy year for me, just because like, middle of the year, my friend... Trent passed away and he's like a little younger than me so it was like a real blow Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know how I wanted to like handle it so I just started writing a bunch and a bunch and a bunch and when his service came around like I don't know his family really kind of took me in that day and let me stand with them and like talk at the ceremony I was like I really want to do well I want to do something that like 
works out for me and helps me grieve and helps them and, you know, is respectful to him. So really just putting like weeks worth of effort into like what I was going to say and trying to memorize it and bring it there and being able to get through it all the way at the service and kind of say everything I wanted to say filled with a bunch of little references and inside jokes and even getting, I guess, some laughs at a time when no one wanted to laugh was like, I felt proud of it, not just because, like, oh, I made people happy at a funeral. <laughs> yeah. But for me, where it was like, oh, I really found a way for me to work through my stuff in a way that made me feel like I did literally everything I could do mm-hmm. for this whole process. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it kind of felt like not just a relief afterwards, but almost triumphant to be like, sure. if my skill is in figuring out what to say and writing it down and presenting it, then that's probably the time I did that that I'm proudest of in my whole life like Mm -hmm. like not just like a graduation speech or something like that but something where it's like it means something to me and to everybody who was there so that was Mm -hmm. a very very like meaningful moment for me Mm -hmm. this year very cool that's that's a really strong list yeah absolutely whereas eventually we'll just get to like you know we're 50 or like uh I found like (laughs) I don't what it was a fifty year old like just you know like your life plateaus and yeah. all the big moments are are kind of done like I got an extra nugget today yeah <laughs> exactly. yeah like curly fry in my normal fries I went to so... my nephew's graduation <laughs> yeah like, God. something happened to uh. someone else but that was kind of the biggest yeah. thing yeah, for yeah, me yeah. this year and I was there <laughs> went to Liberty University met Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson <laughs> saw him speak uh, stuff like that well I mean. As of right now, really, really strong uh, list. Um, all right, so I guess we can end the podcast on our annual tradition that started it all. Yeah. We have a moment of silence where we all will into an existence. Specifically, $10 million. We have fact-checked. Yeah. That is the amount. It's so funny because we go from this very earnest, like we're just talking about how grateful <laughs> we are for things in our life, to greedily yeah. wanting $10 million. <laughs> Hard cash, Which, baby. Well, you, you know that Mr. Burns line, I'd trade yeah. it all for a little more. Yep. Like, wouldn't you? I'd trade it all. Why, why wouldn't you? You yeah you had a great you had a great wedding this year I gave we me and Nick gave great speeches but wouldn't you want a little more yeah, of course <laughs> who wouldn't want a little more all right so do we after we will it do I then we wait to be I do my outro or do we just outro then have a silent end we have famously outroed and then you will say a funny quip at the end like did anyone oh, I hate get that. it yeah yet? I forgot this but I don't <laughs> I don't have anything <laughs> but. I, that could be the thing yeah. if that happens every year that uh, keeps us from getting it because we haven't gotten it yet. Okay. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Are, are, we, are we starting? Yeah. Oh, well, well, I got to okay. sign off. Yeah, okay. So I have been Jordan Peoples and Marvel has sucked. I have been Cade Weiberg and no, it doesn't. Here we go. Willing into existence. $10 million. And go. I now have ten million dollars. I feel so freaking amazed to have ten million dollars. I am so grateful to have ten million dollars in my bank account. I feel so much relief now that I have ten million dollars. I freaking love having ten million dollars. Ten million dollars is now I love the feeling of security. I'm
Um, all right. Happy New Year, y'all. Peace. Thanks, Nick. We'll see you on the next one whenever we have you back. Yes, sir.